finish it. Um, it's one of John C. Riley's um, most bizarre performances. It's up there with Dr. Steve Brule and um, maybe the character he plays in Boogie Nights. Ooh. Um, no, it's a very odd character. Like I don't, I didn't really get how his character fit into the story, but like you kind of find out later why everything cool. makes sense. And was that PTA's first movie? It was. Besides the Dirk Diggler. Um, short film? Short film, yeah. Got it. That spawned Boogie Nights that was more about the legend of the porn star and the actual like film mm-hmm. aspects and less about the character studies of Boogie Nights. Yeah. I have to rewatch Boogie Nights because that movie is like very close to my heart, especially with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like His performance in that is just... Somebody said to me that that movie didn't age well, and I was very confused. I don't... I'm sure I wouldn't agree. I love that movie. Yeah, so. no. I, I feel like I need to watch it again. Mm-hmm. It is always a good... It's a good, like, background watch, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're an adult and don't have children running around your house. Like us. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Movie Cinema Film. We're yeah. back. <laughs> we just turn on Paul Thomas Anderson films, because we don't have kids running around. That's our brand. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. It Hi. is Leah Russo and I, Jordan Freed. We're back. We missed doing this, so here we are. After a long hiatus, we realized that there were some good movies coming out that we wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. so we came back. Shout out to Andreas Luizu, who probably is listening. Oh, yeah, he told me. He's probably our biggest fan. (laughs) Well, besides... And an amazing comic. He's so funny. Like, probably the best writer. He really is. Uh, Especially um, in... uh, What what did I last see him in? Your show, Circuit Break. Circuit Break. Fantastic. That was such a good... uh, If you are interested in seeing a good show, come to Circuit Break. It's in November. Which one? Which day? November 9th. November 9th. We have Ash Diggs coming in from Vermont. Burlington, Vermont. He is originally from Texarkana, Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, He is a friend of mine from my sketch comedy group in college. And he's open for Cameron Esposito. He's been in a bunch of festivals. Um, He's also the front man for a funk band. Mm. That's like kind of like fish. I love that. But like... fish E. A little Fish. less white because Ash is the front man of it, I guess. For you youngins in the audience, that's Fish with a P S I, not P H P H I. Yeah. Trinitasio, baby. Cool. Okay, so I guess. Get high and smoke some Ben and Jerry's, baby. All right, I'm here for that. I'm here. That's why I'm here. We're actually in Jordan's new house. Yeah, um, we're not going to say where exactly the location is, but it is an undisclosed location in Rutherford, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's a lot of cool people that live in this house. I like them all, actually, very much. The so. Late Night Hump House. Good vibes. It is the Late Night Hump House, and we'll, we'll let you have your own thoughts about what that means. It is not naughty. We just have shows coming up on Wednesday nights. It is naughty, though, in addition to you having shows. Well, like, in a Santa Claus kind of a way. <laughs> because it's Christmas all the time here at the Rutherford house. Yeah, it's also house. super duper Halloween-y, which I feel like is compliments of Rena, the amazing decorator here. So, And you also have a Leonardo DiCaprio candle, which is my favorite piece of home decor that I've seen in my lifetime. So, Yes, mm-hmm. the interior decorating is... 
point. So I guess we're going to talk about our favorite movies of this year so far. The last one that you heard from us was about us. And we also talked about like Beach Bum. Uh, oh, I forgot about Beach Bum. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about a few other movies. And, that was like uh, a different uh, movie subscription service I was on. <laughs> yeah. That we don't talk about anymore. No, we, we don't acknowledge that one anymore. Uh, but it was a nice R. R. era. Movie Pass officially. Oh, is it completely dead? Completely dead. Oh. That was such a good, I remember that, that winter that it was like still $10 and I would, I literally on winter break went to a new movie every single day. Yeah. If I become a filmmaker or become a professional actor, it's going to become, be because of movie pass because I was able to watch so many movies in such a short time living in New York, like working odd jobs and temp jobs. I love, uh, I love, what is it? A-list but I wish somebody would come up with another one that is all theaters because that was so cool being able to drive anywhere and be able to use your movie pass. Like, you know, I could have had a movie and gone to an independent cinema and it would have been on movie pass. Mm -hmm. But like now AMC will never show my film. Yeah. And I love going to those independent cinemas and AMC has, so do you ever see on their app, like every single movie that isn't like a Marvel movie, they put in the gold, like, um, border and it's like artisan films and it's just like produced by brad pitt starring brad pitt it's like that's not an artisan film <laughs> and i'm like well then you have to get into the conversation of what is an artisan film versus what is not and that's too murky uh, for today i think but <laughs> that's honestly paul story. thomas anderson is an interesting example because there are just never going to be films made like that unless people get like micro budget like investments which mm-hmm. is kind of like what i'm gonna start doing hopefully yeah um if you have money hit me up with money yeah can you i have some ideas for making you billions of dollars i do too if you want to invest in my company we're doing okay so it's a seven-pronged attack we will have princess parties <laughs> with once upon a princess yeah oh jordan jordan works with us now that's a new development since oh wow yeah <laughs> Please book Flynn Rider at your next party or Kristoff because it is the winter. Well, we don't have Flynn Rider or Kristoff. We have the Ice Harvester or the Rapunzel's Prince because we don't represent any Disney characters. We represent ourselves. But some people might call them other names at times, which is weird. I couldn't possibly know I'm sorry why. that I said that because I was just inspired by like past Ice Harvesters. I also know this guy, Fred. Um, <laughs> Fred the Ice town. Harvester. Um, he... Uh, he has, uh, he has some issues, but he's all right, mm-hmm. and he goes out to the lake, and he harvests ice. Yeah, exactly. That's what our ice harvester Sometimes does as I well. Sometimes I call myself Prince Fred. Mm-hmm. You'll meet our ice harvester very soon. I think you're going to be very close friends with him. Yes. So, actually, you're you're such a good... Uh, Jordan's not just a performer for us. He's our one of our royal assistants, and you're such a good assistant that yesterday... We did a party. The mom like was like, "Hold on, I want to give you more money," and ran outside <laughs> and handed you money. Which, in addition to, did she already give you a tip, right? And then she wanted yeah. to give you more money because you're so good. So I felt very happy in that moment. So I was like, "Yay!" Like anytime you realize you hired the right people, it's like very calming. You're like, "I can like chill. I don't have to be anxious all the time that something's gonna go wrong. Like they're gonna do it." So it's nice. I like so rarely make people's dreams come true. <laughs> And, like, the fact that I get to make 20 people's dreams come true, like, every day that I work. It's, isn't it's it so nice? Like, yeah. it's such good karma, too. 
Like, you're, because you're making so many kids so genuinely happy, and they just look up at you with those big eyes, and they're just, like, so sweet and innocent. It makes me, like, all mushy inside. (laughs) Anyways. So, what should we do? Just get into it? I guess so. I think we should just do our top five, maybe? I have a top seven. Whoa. Okay, no, no, no. Top seven, too. I have a top eight. Do you want to just do top ten? No, because I don't have ten. I have eight. <laughs> I can try to come okay, up with two eight. more. We can do eight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We'll do eight because it leaves off a film that we are going to be talking about later. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking about that particular film that you may have heard of. If you haven't heard of it, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Did you even read the damn title? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why are you listening to a podcast about that film that will not be named because we're not going to give it any more press because it's already gotten way too much press. It really has. For a film made by Todd Phillips. <laughs> Jordan, was that a hint of disdain I sensed in your tone? I'm just saying we just fed into the Todd Phillips machine and you guys all let it happen and yeah. he just made so much money because you guys are all sheep. I love it. You all let it happen. And I let it happen too, and I hate myself for it. We but all we're did. Move on. But we were, okay, yeah, let's move on. So, how are we going to do it? Are we going to start with our number eights each and then go down? Yeah, let's start with our number eights each. Okay, you go first. All right, this is my least favorite. No, my, not my least favorite, but my lesser of the space movies of the year, I'm assuming. With Ad Astra. Okay, cool. Um, See, that didn't make my top eight, even though I like it. Wow. Um, it was an interesting concept for a film. Uh, it was definitely long. Uh, that is why it was top eight. I think it had potential to be great. But I think like people, when they have the access to the space technology, they just like, oh, I have to make this like an extra seven minutes of my film. Because, like, it's part of the budget, you know? Mm-hmm. Because then you're paying, like, $30 million for seven minutes as opposed to $30 million for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it looks better to everyone. But I thought Brad Pitt really carried the film. He was amazing. And I liked the overall, like, drama and writing of the film. Yeah. And that's really all I have to say about it. I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, I... Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I... I really... I felt like it was almost like a meditation. Like, when I was watching it, like, it was so slow, and it was very calming, but then they had those moments of action and drama that would come in, too. And for me, I just... I wish that Brad Pitt would get nominated this year in a double uh, nomination for... Best actor and best supporting actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because these this is like his moment. I know you could probably argue he's had seventy five different moments since like Thelma and Louise, which would be true. But I think for me, I've never been a gigantic like supporter and fan of his. I was always kind of like, oh, I don't, I like, I get it. He's he's good looking and he's talented, but he's not amazing. And this year with these two films, I really feel like I am suddenly like I have totally had the Kool-Aid and I'm like I love him so much it's kind of wild that Brad Pitt has taught me how to like think like he's been the <laughs> vessel for so many ideologies that have just been like really? wild like he was Tyler Durden so it's like right, right. that is a huge part like there was Bird After Reading he was a very positive person I love him and in a very that. dumb person I saw that yeah. movie a lot as a child well my favorite Brad <laughs> performance before this year was definitely Seven 
seven. Which is probably seven. like I watch so much horror, so much anything, and I I watch so many things, and I don't get disturbed even when people are like, "That was so disturbing." Seven deeply is disturbing to me. Like that movie really is like, it, it's like someone reaches inside of you and like pulls out your insides. It's so gritty and real and uh, troubling, and he's great in it. The other one I would say that I actually saw this. I only watched this movie a year ago, which was Interview with a Vampire. Oh, same. I just watched it too. Really? I love him. Neil Jordan's one of my favorite directors. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, like him and Tom Cruise in that are just like, ugh, it's phenomenal. I don't know where I was all this time, but now I love him so much. And I feel like this, the juxtaposition of these two performances of Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then I don't remember the guy's name in Ad Astra, that... They're, they're two so markedly different people. And I know that it's kind of like, well, yeah, he's an actor. Like, he should be able to do that big deal. But, like, there's something about these two performances that resonate so much and are so strong. And I really think he deserves. We really don't get stuff like that. No, thank Where you. Where actors get to be weird and, like, just watching, like, I was watching Hard Eight today. And, like, I we don't get to see, like, actors who are around now be this weird. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe The Beach Bum was an example of that where actors really got to stretch out and be weird but like we don't get character studies like that yeah i still need to should. watch that one which like we should considering we have all these streaming sites why not make a bunch of cheap films yeah i need to seek out more weird stuff i think because it's out you know it's out there or we just have to make the weird stuff mm, yeah. that's jordan you guys that was just jordan in a nutshell if you want to know yes. his personality <laughs> he's always that's why i love hanging out i'm scheming i'm scheming people he, are listening all the industry insiders are trying to figure out where the industry is going they're listening to our podcast because exactly they know that we've jumped the gun and know where it's going but you always have ideas you're subject i hope you never change in that aspect like i hope if we stopped talking and hanging out today and i didn't see you for 30 years. I would hope 30 years we ran into each other, you would be like, hey, I have an idea, blah, 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 because I love that side of your personality. It's like the best. Anyways. What was your number eight? My number eight is the Richard Linklater film, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Whoa. Did you see it? I did not. I loved it. It's actually one of those movies that has stuck by my memory. Like, it comes into my head every once in a while. And for me, that's really the mark of a good film. Because Ad Astra, weirdly, like, I don't think about it that much. It's it's one of the ones that I thought I would think about more. Like, but it doesn't come into my mind that much. But Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Wow. <laughs> it really does. Like, I know that it got some bad reviews. I pretty much love Richard Linklater across the board. Like, the Before trilogy is some of my all-time favorite as well as many of his other films, which I won't even get into, but I loved it. Like, I thought that it was long, like it was long-winded, but I thought every time I started to get a little antsy and I was like, okay, like, where's this going? Or this is this scene is going on a little too long, something would happen and the plot would go in a different direction or there'd be, like, a killer scene or a killer set piece or a really, like, a great line that would really resonate and then it would pick right back up for me and I would be like, okay, I'm totally back, I'm in this. Obviously, Kate Blanchett was ridiculously good, but we all knew that was going to happen. That's nothing new. But I really enjoyed, like, I thought for Linklater, like, this film, it's so interesting how, you know, he came out with, um, what was that? Everybody Wants Some? Was that what it was called? Yeah. And that that very, like, that was just a hangout movie. That was, like, we're just going into these people's, uh, this, like, young 
party house and hanging out and like and and that and this is so different. This is like this sprawling plot with like all this 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 fam these uh, family dynamics and this um, issue of like pouring your whole heart and soul into your work and kind of like losing your identity and and isolating yourself and building this other life and how it affects your daughter and how it affects your husband and how it affects you and it was just I thought it was a really interesting character study I was wondering the whole time like what's gonna like I was excited like what's gonna happen how is this gonna end where is this going and I think it was kind of like overlooked and I honestly I, I think about it pretty often like I think it was really good I think you'll like it I'm gonna look it up yeah. for sure mm-hmm. yeah I'm a fan of his as well mm-hmm. do you want to do a snake around so then you do your seven too oh okay sure yes I'm sure everyone's like Talk even more, Leah. Okay. <laughs> oh, you talk <laughs> Self-editing. Self-editing. <laughs> okay, so my number seven is actually a documentary. Word. Mine is also. Really? Look at us. This synchronicity right now. So mine is Chasing Happiness, which is an Amazon Prime original about the Jonas Brothers. Wow. And Not my documentary. <laughs> in... <laughs> Okay, so I was never a big fan of them. Not that I didn't like them. I just never got into them. There were a few songs that I liked because when they were big, they were obviously so huge. Like, you couldn't really avoid hearing them. I loved a few songs, but I was ne- I never was a fan. I didn't buy an album. I didn't go to a concert, right? And I go to stay with my friend, and she's like, have you seen Chasing Happiness? Like, all excited. I'm like, no. Like, I never really got into them, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all casual about it. She's like, you have to watch it. Like, so dramatic. I'm like... Why? I'm like, okay, I'll watch. Like, sure. Like, uh, when so when a friend really recommends something to me strongly, I always trust them. Especially her. Like, we're so close for years. So I was like, okay, sure. And she's like, you're going to love it. She's like, the story of how they how they made it. And then they, they left and came back. And, like, it's, you know, they grew up in New Jersey, which they literally grew up, like, two towns away from me. Like, literally ten minutes down the road, right? So, like, I'm like, okay, cool. So... I watch They're it. probably listening right now. They, so this I mean, is awesome. Hi, Kevin. I'm excited to collaborate with you guys on some films. Oh, my God. I have please. some great films that I want to make. Yes. Speak it into existence, Jordan. Please. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, I watched it at the beginning. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, I like this. Blah, blah, blah. And by the end, I was like... They've gone through so much. They're so amazing. How do they do this? Like, their story is fascinating. And, uh, Rena just walked in. (laughs) She's like, oh, you're talking about the Joe's Brothers. Yeah, Yeah, I watched it because you recommended it. You did? You watched it? it. Did you love it? I did. I liked it. Wasn't it amazing? Yeah. yeah. Their story? Yeah. Who would have known? A lot lot about Kevin I did not know. I love Kevin's my favorite. Yeah. Is he the diabetic one? No, that's Nick. Oh, my God. Yeah, Nick, I was, I had a crush on when I was in middle school. We all did. When I first, yeah, when, when we saw his drama with the other celebrities and dating whoever. Miley. Yeah, that was his, a tough like, phase. His hair, <laughs> and then like him maybe with Selena Gomez and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just kind of interesting. And then yeah. like, you know, just you reminisce because you're like, oh my God, I was like, I saw them when they were like the original band and I still, I still have their t-shirts <laughs> from when I went to. Uh, I love that. Can I borrow it, please? Yeah, I'm actually find it. Okay. It is pretty yeah. wild, though. Like, yeah. If you just, like, survive as an artist, you become a master. Exactly. They really... <laughs> no, 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 you're right. I mean... Like, as child stars, like, they survived, <laughs> and now they're probably so fucking good. They are. I, I saw them twice in concert this summer, and I was floored. Like, they really are phenomenal, and 
it's for me like even if you if you're listening and you're like oh I don't care about the Jonas Brothers that's totally fine you don't have to like become a fan like I did but just this inspirational story because there's a point where they like they were from a very religious family their father was a pastor their house uh was also like part of the church they lived two doors down from the church and because they were making music and starting to be successful they ended up losing everything because the church did not approve that they were making music that was not just straight Christian music. And they weren't obscene. They weren't making like this crazy, you know, controversial music. They were just singing about, we like girls, you know, <laughs> like we're three young guys and we like girls. And it was like, oh, that's not appropriate. <laughs> and they lost their, their father lost their job, which means they lost their community. They lost their friends. They lost their house. And they had no money. They were in debt because they had spent so much money developing their music and for recording sessions and everything else. And then they ended up losing their record deal, which was like a completely separate issue. So at that point, it would have been like, okay, you know what, guys? Like, it's time to go back to regular public school. Like, in New Jersey, you we gave it a try. Like, you had some success. It was awesome. But, like, we have nothing. Like, we literally don't have a house. We don't have any money. We're in debt. You don't even have a record deal anymore. Like, it's time to... Throw in the towel. We gave it a try, right? That's what 90% of people would do. Instead, their parents were like, we're going even harder. Like, they believed <laughs> in them. They believed in them. And, it like, that to me is just everything. Like, I, I, every time I think about that, I'm so inspired because it was literally a few months later that they got the record deal that ended up being the big record deal that led to their massive success. And then there's a whole other aspect of it, which is they, they had this massive success. They broke up. They got back together. That, I mean, it's really like a pheno phenomenal story. And the documentary is really, because they kind of came up in the age of the internet and everything being filmed, there's so much footage of every step of the way, including when they were like babies, like singing next to the piano with this amazing like power and everything. So it's all very well documented and the interviews are great. The editing, it was fantastic. It really, really did a great job. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's going to be hard to kick that one out of the top 10 for me. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. My documentary was The Amazing Jonathan. Okay, I haven't seen it. Tell me all about it. It is, I think it's on Hulu. I think Hulu bought it. Oh, God. I really need to like, know this for you guys. It's either Hulu or Amazon. We'll resolve this very shortly. Yeah. But this documentary is bizarre, and it is very meta, and if you love filmmaking, then you should definitely watch this. If you love films, you should watch this. If you love comedy, you should watch this. Hey, we're... A Rhino Comedy Podcast. Come on down to Rhino Comedy in Suffern, New York. Please. 96 Lafayette Avenue. Specifically, see the mutts with me and Leah. It is on Hulu. And it's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, the Amazing Jonathan, if you don't know who he is, he's like a magician, comedian guy. And that's all I'm really going to tell you. And then, like, you should just watch this film because it was the most bizarre and interesting film I have ever seen, I think. Uh, wow, ever. Yeah, no, it is really, really odd. The Like, I feel like we're almost going to get to the point, like, maybe this is a trend that's going to start happening where we get, like, almost, like, found footage movies where, like, they really are, like, independent film, but, like, they just don't get out anywhere, and then you find them, like, much later, and, like, yeah, the quality's a little bad, but, like, they have a story that you're like, wow whoa and then maybe those become the future franchises yeah i just read the um little synopsis on hulu which is so interesting just from those like few sentences 
It says, what begins as a seemingly ordinary profile of a dying magician becomes an unexpected and increasingly bizarre journey as filmmaker Ben Berman struggles to separate truth from illusion. Ooh, I love that. I'm going to add this to my little list because I have Hulu. And I'll try to watch it in the coming days. Yeah, magicians. I'm kind of getting into magicians a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get into different things, guys. That's part of the hiatus. Mm -hmm. I've been... Trying to read a lot more, trying to listen to audiobooks about notable people in history and what they did to be notable so that I could be notable. You already are notable. And then I could just talk about movies with you guys every day. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm down. Awesome. So my sixth was a movie that's still not out for the mainstream. Ooh. Because you I went saw to it Sundance. At Sundance. Honey Boy. I can't wait to see it. Ugh. This is Shia LaBeouf's screenplay. He stars in it as his dad. We talked about it on the Sundance episode, but keep an eye out for it. Amazon bought it, so it'll be pretty available soon enough. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be in theaters. I'm assuming Shia LaBeouf's going to try to get an acting nomination or a screenplay nomination. Um, he deserves it. Without even seeing it, I feel that way because I love him. <laughs> yeah, no. Honestly, like if... It's not going to get anything because it's kind of like talking shit about Hollywood, but like it is like such a good and truthful movie. It's like cool. Um, like it is definitely like a Shia LaBeouf like, oh please don't hate me for the things that I've done that were terrible. Like his drunken rants and getting into fights with police and shit like that, which like are inexcusable. Mm -hmm. But like, there is a reason why he's fucked up is <laughs> like mm -hmm. he had a very odd life and had a tremendous amount of pressure on him from a very young age and I think generally he has tried to work for a net positive yeah. in his life and tries to get people to love each other more and tries to help artists be artists which I think is important yeah I think about that all the time because when I was a kid I was like obsessed with everything in show business and I I was when I was like six I thought I was going to be like a big famous actress when I was like 10 like I thought I was going to be like the Ulta twins or something yeah. or like Shia LaBeouf and now and I was like so sad like that I was like I don't belong in school I need to be like making a movie like I really felt that like when I was very young like I was like this is what I'm supposed to do with my life and then like yes I've been acting since then and stuff but I haven't been in like big movies except for background but I'm like now I'm like, whoa, like thinking about how young he was or how young some other people like, you know, Drew Barrymore, Olsen Twins, Tatum O'Neill, like all these people, I'm like, whoa, like the, all the things that I went through as a teenager and as a young adult, like, I'm like, whoa, they went through that with everyone fucking watching them and paying attention and posting it. Like, that's crazy. I or they like didn't for like an extra six or seven years and did everything super late and then had to like deal with like things that like most people deal with when they're young and like yeah. in the confines of like with their parents and like so with crazy. teachers and schools around them mm -hmm. and then they are like doing it when they're like 23 like that's why Michael Jackson was fucked up because like he didn't oh, really have he's... a childhood and then he was like learning all this shit late in life. He's such a... And then he went crazy. He's, like, another story. I mean, that's just, like, devastating to me, that everything with him. But, like, I... Yeah, I think about that all the time. Like, I really give those people a break because I, I hate when people are, like, very in my face and, like, too uh, invasive. And I'm not even famous at all, so, like, people... It's not like people are like that all the time. But every time there's someone like that that's, like, very on, on it with me, I'm like, ugh, stop. Like, I don't want you knowing everything. You don't have to, like 
I don't know. So that the whole world being on you like that when you're literally a child and you're not, your brain isn't even developed. Like how, like I would love to just sit down with like Mary Kate and Ashley who were famous when they were six months old and be like, what happened? Like, are you okay? Because how, like they don't even know what it's like to not be like hugely famous, like hugely. I mean, that's just crazy to me. So, I mean, it's very interesting. Someone should make a documentary about that. They should interview like all the biggest stars that were big when they were really young and see what they have to say and get really real. Oh, yeah. Well, like, Miley Cyrus is kind of an interesting case. Like, mm-hmm. she's totally cool, and I feel like she knows what she's doing and is kind of I don't know, on I, top of shit. I don't know. Maybe, she, yeah. I feel like now she's okay, although she went... I know they're going through a divorce, and they just got married, like, a year ago, so... I don't know. That might tie into it, too. But even Miley was, like, what, like, 12 or 13 when she became famous? Like, uh, like Drew Barrymore was in E.T. when she was three, and that's still, like, the most iconic movie, right? It's, like, how do you, even when you're three and you get that level of attention and you're, like, like, she doesn't even know what it's like to not be a superstar. That's crazy to me. Like, it's different when you become famous after already having a life where you were not famous. Like, she did not have a life at all, ever, where she was not famous. That's crazy to me. So, like... I don't know. I think about that stuff all the time, and, like, I think, you know, Drew Barrymore's ended up great. Like, I know she was in rehab, and she had a really rough time, but she kind of went through that so young, I think, because she was, like, uh, famous so young. She, like, went to rehab when she was, like, 12. Like, she was, like, addicted to drugs, like, back then. You know what I mean? Like, she went through all that so much earlier than other people, and now she's doing really well, so I don't know. It's an interesting sidebar we got into there. Yeah, wow. What's okay. your number six? My number six uh, is probably a controversial choice when it comes to you, but it's Avengers Endgame. I just haven't watched it. Yeah. <laughs> we actually did a whole episode, myself and Brandon O'Brien, but we Jordan was not there and we didn't entirely know how to use this thing. We probably should have like asked you more clearly how to explain it, and we ended up missing a lot of the episode. Like I think when you sent me the files, it was like... We recorded for, like, two and a half hours, and I think we had, like, one hour, but it was, like, in the middle of it, so we couldn't, like, really put it out. But Brandon and I loved it. We talked about it a long time, and it's kind of, for me, like, I've never been a big Marvel fan. I I basically watched all the movies because I wanted to be in the know and have an opinion when people would talk about it because people would talk about them so much. Um, obviously more of, like, I like the small art house movies and all that. But I also don't agree with Marty when he says oh, it's not cinema, it's not movies, like that whole controversy going on right now. So, like, I love the way that they ended the whole thing. Like, I thought it was so well done. Like, for a movie to keep my attention, because I'm not the best with longer movies sometimes, it has to be really good. And we'll talk about that with one of the films I have coming up in my top eight. But uh, for a movie to be over three hours... And I was not bored once, and I was so invested, and I really was emotionally affected, like, even with characters. Like, there's, you, everyone has their favorite characters in the MCU, but even with characters that I don't really connect with that much, I was like, wow, like, they really found a way to end this and make it so worthwhile to have seen every movie. Because there's a lot of movies in there that I slogged through that took me three times to finish because they're two and a half hours of this, like, nonsense to me. And then there's some movies in the MCU that I absolutely freaking loved. So I thought, oh, I'll probably like some of this and some other parts I won't like. But everything was tied together so well. And I really think they deserve 
like a commendment for that, especially Robert Downey Jr., who I think deserves an Oscar nomination. He will not get one, so this year is going to be very tight and crazy, especially with the men. But uh, but like he was phenomenal, and I just I loved it. And I I, I don't know, it probably is going to leave my top ten by the time I see all these other movies, but. I think it's great, and I, I, like I said, I'm not even a big Marvel person, so I can't even imagine, like, people that are super fans, how much their brains must have exploded when they saw this movie, because I thought it was very worthwhile. So that's my number six. What's your five? My number five is American Woman. You see that? No. Oh, so good. Wait, what movie is this? It's called American Woman. It's directed by Jake Scott and stars Sienna Miller and Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. They play yeah. sisters. They're broke, they live in Pennsylvania. Christina Hendricks is the more, she's the older sister, she's the more responsible one. Even though they're broke and they kind of have had like not such great cards dealt to them and like she's found like a nice husband played by Will Sasso, who I worked with last year by the way, awesome person. And uh, she has more of a normal, stable life. And her younger sister, played by Sienna Miller, had a baby when she was like 16. And then her 16-year-old daughter had a baby. So she has, she's a grandma and she's like 36 or something. And uh, she's very volatile with men. You know, she's dating a married guy and then she's dating an abusive guy and all this kind of stuff. And uh, she can't, she's one of those people that you root for, but like she can't seem to get it together. Like she's beautiful, but she's a mess. Like that kind of character. And she really like... I've always liked Sienna Miller. I, I feel like she's kind of gotten a weird career. Like, I feel like she should have had a better career than she's had, but she... She picks kind of artsy films, doesn't she? She does. I just think she should have gotten more... Um, like, when Factory Girl came out, I thought that movie was good, uh, and I thought she was really great in it. Like, she was heartbreakingly vulnerable, and again, she's playing the same kind of character, like this, this girl who's beautiful, but she's a mess, and she just is too vulnerable to all the things going around spinning around her like she you know falls into different lifestyles rather than saying no I'm going to do this and you get to see this evolution of this woman um grow up like she didn't really I think because probably she had a baby when she was so young she didn't really like age past that age like that happens to some people and then you get to see her start to get her life together and okay now I'm going to get a more stable job now I'm going to go to school now I'm going to do this and it has all these very surprising turns that are wonderful and the the head the like the the um, synopsis of the film is that her daughter goes missing actually the the uh, seventeen year old so she has to take care of her granddaughter or grandson it's a boy and raise him and that's part of it but like it's more about her journey rather than like this missing person it's more about like the Sienna Miller yeah. character and Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad is also in it which I'm just like. Where really? Can you watch this. Is this on streaming? I, uh, yes, it should be. Yeah, I mean, it did. I think it came out already. Yeah, but I, uh, he was amazing in it too, and it's just a great uh, indie film that I wish more people have seen. So watch it. It was so good. It's so real. Like you, you feel what's happening, and they, these two really feel like sisters. Like it was amazing. They really feel like I feel like I've been in their house before. Like, it's just very resonant. So, I loved it. Word. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to check it out. Yes. What's your rep five? 
We're in our top five. The original idea for the podcast. <laughs> it has taken us 35 minutes, but we've done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, which is probably going to be something we talk about a lot, so we'll just skim over it right now. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll just, we'll just wait until Leah puts it on her list. Because you know I'm going to talk a lot. Yeah. Okay. And then... What a great choice. Yeah. And then my four is Midsommar. Ooh. The Ari Aster flick. Now, is that how you actually say it? Or did you just do that to be funny? Is that how you say it? I thought it was Midsummer. 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 When I listened to him on a podcast, (coughs) he pronounced it like that. Oh. (coughs) I think so. Wait, no. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being an idiot. No, I'm being an idiot. Okay. Midsummer. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. I've kind of like... Yeah. Okay, so what did you love about the film? Because I wasn't a big fan. I love the way it was shot. Um, I loved what it just said about, like, kind of people our age. (laughs) Um, And, like, just kind of millennials in general. (laughs) Um, And like, the festival culture, and kind of this overindulgent, like, elitist, like, oh, we're gonna go to this festival, and, like, do a lot of research on this festival, which is, like, really just getting super drunk, and not really caring about being sensitive about the other cultures, and stuff like that, (laughs) and I thought it was, like, interesting in the context of the whole film, which, like, um, just, like, psychologically was definitely a good horror film for me. I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but it was also from like a very male perspective. I think, like, in some regards, mm-hmm. at least like with the horror of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the shot at the end with with the uh, the house burning and then the big dress and her running in front of it was so good that I liked. Yeah, no, it was an amazing film. I'm a big fan. Um, I'm sorry that it wasn't in your top eight. That's okay. Maybe you know, it was you can't in your win top them all. Twenty five of the year. And when we do our top 25 of the year, we'll come back. Uh, yeah, we will come back. I don't know. I wasn't a big fan, but uh, it definitely... I appreciate that he did something different with, like, the colors being so bright. Like that, making a horror film, you know, some, I said this probably before in the podcast, but so many horror films are just the same. Like, I don't know why. When you're dealing with a, a subject that can literally go into this realm of, like, magic, like, anything can fucking happen. It's horror. And people do the same shit over and over. I'm like, really? You couldn't have, like, come up with something? So, like, as the fact that he, he did something different, I will always appreciate. Especially because there should be more uh, horror movies about festivals because festivals can be horrifying. <laughs> especially one that you don't... Especially one that's in a different country than the country you're from or a country you've been before. And I always have fears like that. Like, I'm always, like... When I, you know, I'm like, oh, what if this... Like, when I go do something new, I'm like, what if this is, like not a cult that's going to kill me, but, like, what if it's so not my thing and I'm, like, really uncomfortable and all I want to do is go home? Like, I think about that a lot, so. Yeah. Yeah. hmm Cool. What was your number four? My number four is Britney Runs a Marathon. Ooh, yeah. We briefly talked about this film on the Sundance episode, I think, and how we did not go to see it. Um, but you said that you enjoyed it a lot, so oh my gosh, I'm going I to have it. to watch it. It's directed by Paul Downs Colasio and stars Jillian Bell as Brittany. 
And yeah, I loved this movie. I thought the trailer was funny. That's why I went to see it. And wow, it ended up for me being like the female, like Rocky for blonde young women, which is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I mean, Rocky is the Rocky for everybody. But if this was like a female version, even though she's not fighting, um, you know, a person, she's like fighting with herself and we all do that. And she's has trauma and she's dealing with a lot and she's like overweight and unhealthy and can't get into a place in her life that she wants to be in and it's affecting everything in your life in her life and she ends up finding like running and finding so much and it's funny because I was like when I went into it I'm like oh I hope this isn't like one of those movies that's just like basic and it's like just start running and everything will come together but it wasn't it was like very thoughtful and it was very funny. Jillian Bell is great. I love seeing her gain confidence. Like the way that they gradually did it was so good. And, you know, I mean, this is not a spoiler. She runs in the in a marathon. I won't say which one it is or what happens exactly, but when she's doing her final like big run, I, I literally had to like hold myself back from cheering for her and yelling. Just the same way when I watch a Rocky movie, I'm like punching and I'm like, yes, yes, get him, get him. Like, for this, I was like, go, like, keep going, keep going. Like, I was so excited for her when she finally did it. And it's like, I just feel like it's a movie for everybody. Like, everybody can relate to that. If it's not running, it's like anything that you want to do in life that seems impossible and all the steps it takes to get there. And I really love, like, all the steps of her journey. Like, she fails multiple times. There's times where she easily could have given up, where many people would have given up. And she keeps going, but sometimes it's in unlikely ways. And the characters that she meets along the way in her journey and how she just develops as a human being is so good. There's actually one scene, which I don't want to spoil, but, like, she really crashes and burns. Like, she acts like a complete asshole. Like, she really does something bad. And it, you, that would make you, like, hate another character. But, like, because of the way that you've sympathized with her the whole time, you're just like, wow, we've all been there. Like, where we do things, like, we're ashamed of. Like, that happens to me all the time. Like, not, I mean, not that serious, but, like, sometimes, like, I can be a very blunt person, so, like, I'll come home and I'll be like, oh, shit, like, I probably shouldn't have said that or whatever. And I can't even imagine, like, on that scale, like, crashing and burning that hard and then, like, hurting someone's feelings or doing doing the wrong thing, how much that would have caused someone to want to give up. And she keeps going, and it's just so good. So, like, I just highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, what are we on number four? I think we're on three now. Oh, we're on three now. Okay, you go. The Souvenir, which I've already talked about on the Sundance set. Oh, yeah. The Souvenir. Still haven't seen it. Yeah, um, they've kind of buried it. Honestly, like, Martin Scorsese might be burying it. Why? Because he has The Irishman coming out. Now it all makes sense. Fuck that. Wait, he produced it, right? <laughs> yeah, he definitely no, produced he's not, it. No, he wouldn't bury it, unless he thinks it's bad. No, I, I think he thinks it's good, but he doesn't want it competing with his film, because this is his last hurrah. It's not his last hurrah. This is 100% his last film. He made a three and a half hour film. No, it's not his. That is not, his last hurrah. It's not. He already has other movies in development. I, I, I trust me. I mean, I don't want to act like I know him, because I don't know him, but my first paid job ever was on his set. And he's not gonna stop until they literally call him, call his death moment. Like he'll be, he'll be literally directing, and they'll be like, "Okay, he has no more heartbeat. That's it." Like he'll be, he'll, he's like, "This is not his last movie." Mark my words. Well, I don't think it's like his last movie, but I think this is his last great film. 
I think like no. this is the last like I know, but I think this is like how many classics does a filmmaker have? In oh, them? he's he's got he well he's also doing that series with Leo for Hulu, so yeah, so like that's going to take a long time. Yeah, but he's you know I mean I don't think he has any plans to retire anytime. Netflix soon. is definitely one hundred and twenty percent riding the. We have like Martin Scorsese's like masterwork. Like watch oh. it at home with your family. Like watch the greatest cinema ever. Like on a small screen with your family, so that you know what film is. Well, I'm not gonna watch. I mean, I will watch it on Netflix in subsequent viewings, but I'm gonna go see it on the big screen, thirty five yeah. millimeter, just like all the other you know Marty films. But I literally like, and maybe it might be his last gangster film that I would understand because yeah. uh, he's. I mean, he's gone in so many different interesting directions, in my opinion. Like when people just think of him as oh, Goodfellas, Casino, I'm like, yeah, he has a lot more in him than that. Um, two, I think, like some of my favorite movies of his are not even have anything to do with the mafia, so. Like after hours and King of Comedy, which we'll talk about later, uh, but you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So I don't know. I'm I'm just like I'm overwhelmingly excited to see that movie. Like I cannot wait. Absolutely cannot wait to see that movie. I think about it every day. I'm ready. And uh, like the movie I have in the number one spot right now, which we'll get to. I can't imagine anything knocking it out except this movie, possibly. But we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, so the souvenir, um, we already got distracted. Thanks, Martin Scorsese. You did it. Uh, I was trying to make you money, Marty. I was literally giving a film that you produced so much love, and then I had to realize that you're sabotaging it. It's all good. It's all good. Um, whatever. No, it's just a beautiful film about, like, just love, relationships, like, addiction, all kinds of things. Can you remind me who's in this one? Because I can't remember. It is Tilda Swinton and her daughter. Her real daughter? Her real daughter. Oh my god, I have to watch this like... Like, What's her name? It's like Honor Swinton or something. I don't remember, but that sounds awesome. Yeah, and like the lead man in the film is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Best performance I've seen all year. But like nobody's talking about it. Maybe it is planning to come out with a bigger release. In November. But Maybe they'll know. re-release it for Oscars? Yeah, I don't really know what their approach is, but it's like kind of crazy that a film that's this... I don't know. It got a lot of love at Sundance and then disappeared. Yeah, I feel like that happens all the time. It's like, I don't get it. I think it literally is just like, people are involved in too many things and then they have to pick which one they're going to like get behind. Mm-hmm. Like That's the case with like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon... They buy a bunch of stuff just so that other people can't have it. And then they don't care if it gets buried on their site because, like, people just aren't going to the other apps to get that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't think we're in an entertainment hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Not at all. Um, yeah, no. The good news is that Disney is creating their own streaming service to make people pay more money to see all of But no, that that's going to be cool, though. They're, they are, like, reaching back and putting everything that they've ever made in that streaming service. Like, even the offbeat... All the like, really racist cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to be really cool. I keep getting... Because I'm an annual pass holder at, at Disney, so I keep getting, like, all these offers. Like, buy five years for only this amount and save, like, $200, and I'm... 
I don't really want to. But what do you to. buy? There's Apple TV. There's that. There's Hulu. I know, there's Netflix. I know, I know. I'm probably not going to HBO, have Showtime. But, like, I appreciate what they're, like, from what I've heard, they're really doing it for real. They're making a, a genuine effort. They're going to have new programming, uh, you know, exclusive, interesting things that Disney fans certainly want to see. Plus, they're going to have every you know, Disney produced thing of all time, basically. I think that's pretty cool. Like, it's not just something that they're throwing up there and saying, okay, here's Cinderella. Now you can watch it whenever you want. It's like a real thing. So, I don't know. I think it's cool. It's just very bad for an independent film because everybody is going to have to buy that if they have children or if they watch sports. And then that means that nobody is going to get any of the other art house, like, apps that, like, have more, like filmmaker-centric films. It's going to just be all films that are like studio films that take six years to develop and are made by people who are in their systems. But it is good for like Disney and like princesses and like (laughs) that aspect and people who are into like the fairy tales and kids who like cartoons. Mm -hmm. But it is not very good for people who like cinema because Disney does not make good films that are live people films usually Mm. they're a little cheesy sometimes a little (laughs) 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 oh gosh what's your number three my number three is a netflix film called always be my maybe (sighs) rena watched it without me oh my god break up with her right now yeah (laughs) what is the point of romantic comedies but not to watch it with your romantic partner exactly and i still have not watched it it's so good i i haven't seen a romantic comedy like a new one that i've enjoyed this much in so long i just kind of threw it on as like oh i've heard this is good like whatever i was like working on my computer and i instantly it was from the very beginning so powerful and interesting and it's uh it I learned a lot about like Asian culture from it as well and uh Ali Wong did an amazing job the two leads I can't remember the the guy's name right now but he was Randall Park yes Randall Park awesome they really like you know how in romantic comedies there's always a part where the couple or the, or the friends that are about to become a couple or whatever, they, they go their separate ways for some ridiculous reason. It's always, like, something that doesn't make sense. It's, like, a misunderstanding or, like, it would be something that if one of them just picked up the phone and said, hey, guess what? This is how I feel about what happened. I was wondering how you felt. It would just be totally resolved, and it's not a real problem usually. And, and this one, like, the ways in which they are friends and then they come together and they're apart and they're together, it all is so earned like it makes complete sense you're like like at the moment when you're like oh they should be together right now you're like but I completely understand why they are not because their lives have certain circumstances and that's what happens right it's like love is not enough to sustain a relationship like I never wanted to believe that because I'm a super romantic person but I know for a fact that actually life situations get in the way of true real love all the time like it happens constantly and this movie is a very good example of that plus it's very funny and it's very, it's so relatable and it has a lot to do with like family and I loved everything that they showed with like her family life and how oh, she hello. did it. Oh, hello. It is my girlfriend who cheated on me with <laughs> Always Be My Baby with We're her sister. We're talking about that. <laughs> did you like it? Um, I, did I finish watching that? Oh, how oh, could you not you finish it? You yes. missed such a good ending. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I did. I wasn't, no, I wasn't impressed. Oh my god, I loved it. <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't know you wanted to watch that. I'm oh, sorry. No, I, didn't mean to I was just making a joke. Yeah. It's for the podcast I just didn't know comedy. what you were talking about. I podcast listeners, I love Rena. I'm not upset <laughs> that she watched all of it. Be my baby. Um, yeah, no, I saw it with my sister. Um, it was too cheesy for me. Oh, that's why I didn't sister? like it. I don't even cheesy. think... I'm not a huge fan of rom-coms because they're too cheesy for me. I don't think it was cheesy. Yeah. What was cheesy about it? It was predictable also, but you're like, oh, you knew like the ending's going to happen, there you're going to, like, whatever, whatever, and it just, like, took them a longer course of time to happen. I mean, I like the actors, so that's why it wasn't, like, a huge bother for me. Like, if it's a rom-com and the actors I'm really just, like, not into and their characters are not... They're just one-dimensional, then mm-hmm. I, like, tap out. Uh, so this one, like, I kept watching. Um... Rita doesn't that like long movies. Thing. I don't. Oh my god, that, the length wasn't a problem. <laughs> <laughs> slow movies, slow movies. It wasn't slow. It wasn't slow. It was fine. Hmm. Sorry, continue. Really. No, that's okay. Oh, yeah, it's good to get another perspective. Um, I mean, like, I already. I don't want to repeat for yeah, our listeners because no, I I got just, into it a lot. Just pick up where you left off. But uh, <laughs> I thought it was really unique, and I thought it had a lot more heart and a lot more interesting things to say than most rom coms that are. That are cheesy. And if there was any cheesiness, which I'm sure, like, yes, there is some, I felt like it was, everything that happened, as I said, was very earned. Like, I completely believed them as best friends. I completely believed them as lovers. And I think, like, the com- the stuff that was just straight comedy in it was really funny, too. There's, like, this whole sidebar where uh, Keanu Reeves plays a very oh. funny character. And it just all, it was just so... Like, I, I, there's also, like, the ending is great, and there's a part where I thought it ended, and I was like, wow, that movie was phenomenal, but then there's, like, an additional little scene at the end that just makes it, like, tie together even more, and I was like, wow, like, they really, they really did a good job with that. Like, I'm very impressed with Ali Wong. Like, I think she, she really, like, this was her movie, and she really, uh made her mark with it and did something different and I'm so happy that it's on Netflix for everybody to see whatever they want. I think it's such a good like it's such a good fun loving like it's a real it's movie a comedy, yeah. about friendship yeah. and like how does that evolve like how does that evolve? You know what I mean? Like if you're friends with someone for years, it's like I feel like with all of my straight guy friends, like not to be whatever but like I wouldn't be friends with someone if I was like, "Oh, I would never ever ever date them" because like why would we even be friends? Like, like, okay, you might not be attracted to that person in the moment, but, like, that could always change or, like, you don't know what's going to happen in life. So then how do you go from, like, oh, we're just, we've been friends for years and we hang out all the time to, like, it should be more than that. I don't know. And they did that in a very funny way. And the, But there was also all this drama because there were so many family aspects of it. That was a lot where the Asian culture came into play. And there's a lot of, like, because Ali Wong is Asian, she can make jokes making fun of Asian people. And I feel like it's probably so much better if you are Asian and so you understand that, like, fundamentally. But, like, for me, like, the way that she was making fun of her own culture I thought was very, like, very cool. Like, that was very interesting the way she did that, so. I, I mean, I liked how they did the flashback when they were kids. Mm-hmm. They showed them bonding from that over, like, the loss of his mom. And, yeah. Like, they him the, going through something so serious and in-depth, like, 
I mean, that's what I think, like, their bond was so special. It was. And connection was so special. Yeah, and the, the loneliness of her being in that house by herself or a parent. Like, they did that. Yeah. That I could feel that yeah. loneliness so much. Like, you could tell. Like, she's making her own little meal for herself. No one's around. And then she goes, this is the first, like, five minutes. She goes next door and to be with his family. That's, like, a real yeah. family. Yeah. And it's so, like, warm and comforting. And you just see this, and, like. Like, his mom is sort of, like, her mom. Yeah. Or, like, a second mom. Like, yeah, exactly. I was just, like, that's what I mean. It was, like, so invested. It wasn't just, like, oh, here's these two people, and they're, like, you know. I feel like other rom romantic comedies don't take the time to really, like, explore what's going on in these people's lives. It's more just about, like, yeah, they true. meet, and then they are crazy about each other. Then there's a conflict to break them up, and then we need to get them back together somehow. That's the formula, right? And this just did that. So what? Like I want to go watch it again right now. I just, I just love I mean, it. I, think I like so how good. they fell in love, but it did take time because for me, I'm sort of the opposite with you. Like it's, I wouldn't want to romanticize a friendship because I would be too scared of losing the friendship because you can't right. go back. So yeah, like, that's why that it's complicated. Very, yeah, different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for your guest spot, Rena. <laughs> She'll probably be back for the Joker part. Oh, we said the word. We said the J word. The J word. We were such opposites of that film. Yeah, I didn't like it very much either. Oh my god, really? <laughs> okay, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> You're giving Jordan anxiety. He's like, we have a list to get through here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my number two was Lulu Wong's The Farewell. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. That did not make my top. Eight. But interesting, we were just talking about Asian culture, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I guess we're just in the synchronicity. We are. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Cat. if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the rundown why you love this movie. Cat <laughs> is definitely listening, or like, the energies are intertwined. Or she knows we're talking about. Cat yeah. is the kind of psychic, so she's, well, she's I literally you were talking about me. <laughs> no, but that's what, we were, that's what we were doing when we were in your, your house for so long. She was giving me like a reading. Oh, wow. And she was like, we didn't even mean to do that, but she was like so accurate with everything. Like she pictured all the stuff that was literally happening in my life. So that was fun. Anyway, we just took over Jordan's house and uh, that was very interesting. So tell me about The Farewell. Uh, it's wonderful. I love it. Uh, it was just like one of the most complete films I've seen all year. Like the best like drama that is just like, this is great. This is also something that like, is very culturally different than something I've seen with like just the whole crux of the film and I think it's cool uh, to kind of show the difference in tradition and kind of where we are today um, in The Farewell and in general I just felt like it was the most like grounded like acting performances which like I can't say for like a lot of the films I've seen this year like there have been a lot of good scripts and then maybe one or two actors who blow the film out of the water but like the rest of the actors haven't been great or like it's just a film that is too crazy for me to believe everything that's going on or like there's something else that makes me just like angry about it but this film I was just like wow this is just a great film mm -hmm. and it is just like a wonderful film and has a good message and like I don't know I just enjoyed it through and through and I hope it gets a lot of love and doesn't get forgotten because of all of the male auteurs who are going to be waving their phallic films around <laughs> during award season like we literally phallic. have 
But, like, we do, like, it kind of sucks, because, like, we have a lot of, like, really great films directed by female directors, but, like, it's going to end up being a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood joker. Like, it's becoming that conversation again. Like, The Irishman, when, like, we have The Farewell, we have uh, the film that I'm going to name next, like... Thank you for championing championing women. No, but it's like, people are like, oh, we need more female directors and shit like that, and then every time a film comes out with a female director, like, we just stop talking about it because the men who have films talk about theirs longer. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I, yeah, I I thought it was really great to see Aquafina in that part, because I loved her in Crazy Rich Asians, which, kind of the same thing I was talking about with Brad Pitt, just completely different character, like... Her performance, Crazy Rich Asians, was like so over the top and fun, and this one was fun too, but in a different way. Like I loved how restrained the whole movie was. Actually, it was like you really felt like you were just like going into these people's houses and like hanging out with them, and like I thought it was a good. I don't know what it's like uh, in China, so like I don't even know what I'm talking about, but it felt like I was in China. <laughs> like it felt like I was there. Do you do you agree? Uh yeah no for sure yeah um. We also saw One Child Nation at Sundance, uh-huh. so that was also, like, interesting cultural context, I guess, and just, like, a lot of the history to how, like, families get to the point where they value family so much because, like, of the hard times that have happened, and, like, the cultures that value family the most, I think, are the cultures who have been, like, destroyed by, like, great tragedy the most. Mm-hmm. And, like, how close was your family to tragedy recently? (laughs) Almost. Like, I feel like that's the case with, like, Jews in general. Like, have a culture of, like, feasting because they've survived the Holocaust and survived people chasing them down places. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, The other interesting thing about the movie is, like, I heard a lot of people saying, like, that's crazy. Like, how could you do that? Like, the way that they didn't tell her that she was so sick, you know? Yeah. And that actually happened in my family. My aunt on my dad's side died of cancer uh, when I was a kid. And uh, they, like, nobody told her. Like, everyone told her, like, yeah, you're in the hospital. Like, you're going through a rough patch, so you need to stay in the hospital. But you're going to get out of the hospital. When everyone knew that she was not going to get out of the hospital. And at the time, like, I was very young. I was probably, like, seven or eight. Um, And... I was like, I they I knew about it because like my parents never like didn't hide things like that for me. So I was like going along with it. Like I thought it was crazy, but at the same time, I'm like, well, she didn't die with like all this like dread and fear. Like she died thinking like, oh, I'm gonna like get out of here. So I don't know. It's interesting. Like I don't think you should lie to people, but at the same time, like I feel like the end of her life was less scary and less dreadful because of that. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff going. <laughs> Because it's also just, like, once you get to a certain age, like, does it, does it really matter? Well, she was like, young, I feel like though. It's, so, I don't, I mean, not that, I think she's oh, in her oh, 40s. I didn't mean, like, your family situation. I was taking it more to... Oh, the movie, the yeah. Movie. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to make it about me, but you can talk about something else. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot. Maybe we should just move on to our number ones. Um, well, actually, I didn't maybe do my should... number two yet. Oh, you didn't? No, we need to take a break. Mm, I don't even know anymore if we have to take breaks. It keeps recording, so I guess we're fine. Okay. I think the update just got rid of issues. Nice. Thanks, Spire Studio. Thank you. You're wonderful. You are. Okay, so my number two 
uh, is Parasite. Fuck you. Directed by Bong Joon-ho. Uh, I'm not going to be able to watch this for so long. Why? <laughs> when is it coming out around here? Wait, is it, I thought it's, isn't it playing at like the IFC Center or something? Oh yeah, I don't Let go me... to New York City. I live in Rutherford, New Jersey. We're going, Jordan. Get ready. Get your shoes on. Uh, I guess I could go to Jacob Burns. It's playing at the IFC Center. Yeah. Yeah. We, um... Oh, the laundromat's playing there, too, already. Oh, Dope. Can, can we just, can we just oh, go that's gonna be and do a Netflix. double feature? No, nah, I'm not going to watch the laundromat in theaters. It was probably shot in an iPhone knowing Steven Soderbergh. But I want to see... <laughs> I know. I, I need to see, especially prestige directors and, and actors, I need to see on the big screen. I need True, the experience yeah, of going. Yeah. Shit, you know man. but yeah wow oh i want to go to the city now to see laundromat <laughs> uh okay so my number two is parasite it's phenomenal i was hearing so much about it before i saw it so i was like oh i hope this hype isn't too big it was not too big just watch it it's so good i don't even know like what to say about it because I, I don't want to give anything away and i don't want to give any like i don't want you to go in being like oh I heard this, just watch it because it's so, it's like irreverent, it's subversive, it's dark, it's deep, it deals with obviously like class, class issues and it's, uh, it has some elements that are like horror and uh, the way it's shot is so good, like it's so fascinating to just watch this movie. Every single shot, you're like dying to see the next one while also being like so captivated by what's currently in front of you. The way that it all wraps up in the end is just so like I was I was genuinely thrilled and like captivated this whole movie and that very rarely happens and that Korean sensibility like there needs to be so much more of that in in American cinema, and I know there's this like interview going around with the director where uh, they're asking him like, oh, you know, are you gonna be upset if this isn't nominated for Oscars and stuff? And he's like, no, like the Oscars are just America. Like, who cares? Like they're he said they're very local, which is so much shade, but he's right. Like I I wish the Academy would grow a pair and just fucking nominate this movie for Best Picture so that more people see it. They probably won't because they barely ever grow a pair. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize the shade of that. Like, Because, mm. like, when I read it, I was like, oh, like, they nominate, like, Mexican directors and shit like that. But, like, it's really just like, oh, yeah, it's people who are in L.A. Mm -hmm. just getting their films nominated. People who produce films in other countries are just getting their films nominated because they can't be successful in L.A. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Yeah. Uh, Cannes. Very well... Oh, so well received and uh, I, I'm very happy it was well received there but I feel like it's just like it's like a tour de force like cool. I, I mean you're not even like uh, I don't want to I don't want to give any yeah don't else. give any more I'm sure we'll have an episode once I see it it's so good yeah. oh, I want to see it again cool. if you seriously if you want to go I will go with you to the city or wherever yeah all right time for our number ones um, What's yours? My number one was High Life, which you've already talked about with Brenda, mm -hmm. I think, on the podcast. But Claire Denis in space was amazing, and it was fun. Well, what and you give your like full review? Robert Pattinson. 
No, I just like love the cinematography. Like I thought it was the best cinematography like I've seen in a long, long time. And like I did not think that you could make the inside of a spaceship so interesting. Mm-hmm. And like it was just fantastic and like done in such a cool way. And like the use of colors was just phenomenal. Uh, I also just thought that it was a good like message about humanity and kind of like where we're at as a society (laughs) um and what was for you the message because for me it was not entirely clear but i know a lot of people got a very strong message very clear um like just the stuff that it was saying about like the prison industrial complex Mm -hmm. and just like the stuff that it said about like uh, like class warfare <laughs> and like that stuff and just like the cycle of like poverty and the cycle of like having issues kind of that was more like the stuff that I was talking about like not I didn't take like a specific message from it mm-hmm. but like just like things are going to be the same when we're in space which is kind of like you picked up that over there that's kind of the same thing. Like, I, th- I think in the future, like, we're just going to have the same problems if we don't address the underlying issues, which are just that people are greedy. And, like, we also have very wealthy people who are trying to limit the information that we have mm-hmm. and just kind of hope that people don't notice what's going on. And that's kind of how they make more money, is by people not being like, oh... I accidentally subscribed two extra years to, like, Apple Music after I had a free trial and, like, you just gave $200 away that you didn't know you were giving away or not monitoring. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That was a long-winded thing about the film. I I thought there were really... It it wasn't my favorite, but I really... There were some absolutely spellbinding, like, shots and sequences and that, especially the opening, the bodies... Uh, I mean, and everything with, everything with Rob and that baby, like, I'm not the per, I'm not usually the woman that's like, oh my god, I'm dying, my ovaries, I need to have a baby now, but like, that made me like, I was just like, ready to find some guy on the street and be like, do you have a job? Because if so, let's have a baby. (laughs) Um, (laughs) like, it was so sweet, his interactions with her and raising her, and I could watch a whole film of just him raising her, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like, Claire Denis has a whole different kind of vision that I wish was in more types of films, you know. And that was the first space movie that I truly enjoyed. Really? Like, I don't think I've ever watched a space movie and been like, yes, a space movie. Like, First Man was really good, too. I'll, I love I'll First give, Man. like, uh, what's his face? His due. Wow. Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to podcasting for an hour straight. <laughs> right. We are back. We took a break. Back. Yeah, no, this is great. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was just a very artfully done space movie. And like, I want to rank it up there because I don't think people are going to talk about it really anymore this year because it appears as though it's already out of conversations and consciousness because we are talking about the Joker nonstop and mm. stuff like that. We'll see. And the Irishman and Netflix and a thousand other things that aren't good cinema. And the actual art of cinema. And the actual techniques of cinema. (laughs) Yeah. Which, Mm. I guess that's how the Oscars become entirely political. 
Because by the time you watch the film, you already have 70 different things in your head about what the film is, and then you don't watch it for the film. You watch it to see if it actually was what everybody said it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Which brings up a great movie. You're number one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> of course you knew that. Yeah, no, I knew. <laughs> Everyone knew. People in space currently who I've never met would know that because I have just been in love with this movie so much since the second I saw it. I am obsessed. I want to see it again. I'm going to be seeing it again. It's playing very few theaters because it came out in July, but I don't care. I need to go see it again on the big screen. I love this movie. It was just a complete, like, an utter, fantastical, amazing joy to watch every second of it. I did not find it to be slow. The first time I watched it, I was a little anxious because obviously knowing the subject matter, knowing about the Manson murders, which is something that's fascinated me for my whole life, basically, you know that that's going to be a part of the film somehow, even though it's more about the two main characters of Cliff and Rick, you know that that's going to come into play. Of course, Sharon Tate is also being, you know, juxtaposed, ju juxtaposed with these two. So you know that's coming and how they're going to do that and what are they going to show, what are they not going to show, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. And uh, I, so I was anxious. So during some of the longer scenes, like with Rick on the set all day, I'm thinking like, well, where is this? Like, what is, what's happening? But the second time I watched it, I loved it even more because after... It was revealed the ending and I knew what was going to happen and exactly what they were going to do. I could just enjoy those scenes for what they were which are absolutely phenomenal scenes that to me just make everything else look stupid. Like I'm I'm an Aries so like I'm one of those people that becomes like obsessed and passionate and like I'm just like nope everything else seems stupid to me. I can't like I actually saw Parasite after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I was like God when I turn it on I'm like God please. Like, please, please let me love this movie because I just, everything else seems so uninteresting after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I'm not, I just don't care. And that movie was so good that it was able to captivate me after, after seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, yeah, I mean, I just can't say enough about it. Like, I would probably talk for like, I don't even know, an hour just about this one. But my favorite thing... It's probably the relationship between the two main characters, the friendship between Cliff and Rick, and I love their characters so much. I, I relate and resonate with both of them. Like, when Rick is recording, uh, when he's listening to the recording so he can practice his lines, that's literally how I learn my lines for every project that I ever do. I record the other person's lines, and then I play them back, and I, I read them, and uh, I read my part. And uh, the support coming from Cliff, like... The fact that you never even see like a hint of jealousy or resentment that Rick has the big house, Cliff lives in this little trailer. Uh, like you never said like their friendship is so pure and true. And I just love that this movie that was so hyped up as like, you know, Tarantino's take on the Manson murders is actually this movie about friendship. The <laughs> and media has ruined every film. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, their bond was just everything to, like, I mean, everything to, like, every detail, like, all the little details. Like, I love that Rick has Cliff's dog, Brandy. Rick has Brandy's dog food in his cabinet because they're so close. They're over, he's over there all the time. Those little things to me are what make a movie. And, you know, like, this, everything, the scenes that some people found extra or unnecessary, I'm like, no, this is what the movie is. It's not extra because... 
it's the mo- like you need to see Brad Pitt making macaroni and cheese. That is the movie. That is part of it. Like that is part of everything. I love like some people complain about the representation of Sharon Tate. I loved it. I loved it. Just like showing her in that movie theater, like we all are literally doing, like looking up at the screen, so proud and hearing people clap and laugh at her scenes. And I mean, it was obviously heartbreaking knowing what happened, but I love the light that they showed her in. Uh, and I don't, I guess we're not, we're not doing spoilers, so I won't give the massive spoilers, but the way that they did handle the inevitable, uh, Manson murders was in my opinion, beyond genius. I can't remember the last time that I was so hooked on an ending. Like I was every second of it, I was having the greatest, like I can't explain, I was having the best time ever. Like the enjoyment that I get in watching this movie, like it's such a thrill for me. Certain scenes, not just the ending, but like certain scenes, I I laughed so genuinely hard. The scene at the end where Rick is at the gate talking to someone, like I couldn't, like I can't, I just can't explain like the genuine like laughter that was coming from the bottom of like my soul was so like that was such a refreshing thing to feel like I never feel that anymore like it reminded me of why I love movies and the whole movie itself like it reminded me of why I get up every morning and I work on myself and my acting career and I go on auditions and stuff because things like this do get made there are movies that are this good there are movies that are this worthwhile and I could literally go through every scene and break down why I think it's so brilliant why I love everything but I won't because you've heard enough from me but now, Jordan, I know you also saw the movie and you liked it. So what's your thoughts? No, um, <laughs> I, I don't want to steal your thunder. I think you talked a lot about a lot of things. I just think it's also uh, the best parts about the film for me are just like culturally how like, yep, like this was a different time and like we, because of, like, the Sharon Tate murder, like, the history of America probably was altered culturally in a lot of ways, and, um, I think this film just shows, like, where we could be as a humanity (laughs) and as a people, and, like, this is how Tarantino thinks, like, not to be, like, Trumpian, but, like, America was great, like, if, they're, like, the people who think that America was great look back and look at this time and say, like, wow, this was a great time in America, which, like, yeah, there were racists, but, like, in Hollywood, they were, like, making films and, like, white dudes were action stars and shit like that, and they had purpose, and they were tough guys, but they were tough guys because they protected people and built stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? They weren't just tough guys to be assholes to minorities, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Like, they were concerned with their own endeavors and their own culture and doing their own things, and now, like... Although there was the the Bruce Lee stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. I I don't know what to say. I love every scene and every second of it. And I saw a tweet where some guy was like, "I just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the second time, and I'm just wondering if anyone knows how to inject the film into my fucking veins, please." And I was like, "That is my mood all summer. <laughs> like yes, it's like I want the movie to like be a part of me. Like I wish I could marry it or something." I don't think it was exciting enough to be a summer movie. It should have been a fall movie. Because, uh, like, I think, I think it, like, is a very, like, character study. 
I feel like it transcends all that. I feel like that doesn't matter. Let's not like, but I'm also like, you should. You're so obsessed with movies though in Hollywood. <laughs> so like, this is directed directly at you. It's directed at people like me who've been to film school. So I'm just like, like watching it from that perspective. Cause like, I know so many people who just haven't watched it and like, it's just not in their it's orbit crazy. and they're not talking about it whatsoever. But like, if you're in the industry, you're talking about it and like everybody was talking about it and it was so in your orbit, but like my dad hasn't seen it and he likes Tarantino. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, people didn't go out and see it, mm-hmm. but, like, people in L.A. saw it, like, crazy, because yeah. it's literally about L.A. It was probably just California buying all the tickets, and then people in New York mm-hmm. <laughs> who wish that they are in L.A. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think it's a beautiful work of cinema about oh. cinema. I love it so much. I just And definitely it. a film about a time in Hollywood in the style of that time in Hollywood mm-hmm. in a time that is no longer that Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. I don't know. I don't, I can't imagine anything knocking it out of first position for me. Like when we do in months from now, the Oscars episode and we do our big end of the year, I can't imagine if anything is going to challenge it. It's the Irishman. But I think because of the subject matter, because, uh, like you're saying, I'm so obsessed with Hollywood show business movies. Like, I don't think that the Irishman's going to get it. The only thing is that it's Marty. And that to me is very like, that's like very personal to me. Even though, like I said, I don't actually really know him, but that was my first. Also, did he produce the Joker to? No, he, 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 he was going to produce the Joker and then he dropped out because he was working too hard on the Irishman. Mm-hmm. Or maybe also, it's because he sensed convenient. that it wasn't going to be so great. Mm, or he tried to sabotage at the last minute also. I think Martin Scorsese is running an old school Oscar campaign. (laughs) He has his mob. But you know what though? He was not really successful at the Oscars until The Departed, which is another favorite film of mine. And I just got back from Boston and need to rewatch that one because that movie actually kind of changed my life. I don't know that I would have gotten to work on Marty's set if it wasn't for that movie, The Departed. So like, like I said, I have a very, per- like, I have a very deep, like, connection to to him, I feel like. So oh, I, I'm 100% excited for The Irishman. Me too. Have you I talked to like, Brendan about it? Because he's such a hater. Really? Every time I bring up The Irishman, like, because we've been talking about it for months, obviously. Like, I've been talking about it since they were filming. Brandon is always like, mm, I don't know if that movie's even going to come out. Like, he's, like, very weird about it. I don't know why. Nah, yeah. It's just, like, it's going to be so long, and it's just going to be, like, departed porn. <laughs> like, I feel like it's just... Uh, here's, here's a thought. Will it be better than The Departed? Yeah, 100%. Really? You're, you're I don't positive? think anybody's done the Hoffa story, like, well. So this well, is probably going to be the first time that somebody does Hoffa, like, kind of right, or, like, whatever Hollywood's, like, Hoffa take is going to be. Well, the thing that, for they me... They did do it, but, like, I think this will be the Scorsese take that everybody is like, oh, yes. Well, the thing that Scorsese, for me, is really brilliant at is making three hours speed by in 20 minutes. Like, I don't know if any movie goes faster than Goodfellas, maybe in the history of cinema. And you're sitting there for three hours almost, and you're like, where did the time go? Like, that, I, that, I mean, it's really, uh, you have to also not just credit him, but Thelma Shoemaker, who's his, you know, his editor for the past, I don't even know how many years, forever maybe, um, who's absolutely genius. That's the difference between him being one of the greatest of all time and not. 
I agree. She deserves a massive (laughs) amount of credit. Yes. But also in The Departed, like, I... When The Departed came out, I was very young, but I was obsessed with all of his movies, and I was obsessed with that movie. And I remember, like, just almost like with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, I was so blinded by everything that was going on around it that I couldn't even, like, appreciate... Like, I didn't even appreciate it as, as, like, this... Like, I couldn't think of it objectively because I was so obsessed with it. Yeah. But now, looking back, I when I rewatched it, which I rewatched it maybe a year ago, I was like, he also in this one, there's so much happening, the back and forth of everything, of the one side and the other side, and, and, and the action is so intense. And again, it's another movie that's two and a half hours long, but feels like two minutes. So I'm wondering, The Irishman... What is it? Three hours and like fifteen. I, I gotta it was look even it up. Longer, yeah. Um. So, I'm wondering. It's gonna be the first Netflix movie of its kind, and I think like, auteurs are gonna start making like, the director's cut type films that they want to make because they know that they're going straight to streaming services, and people can just pause if they're too long. Wow, it's three hours and thirty minutes. I'm yeah. so excited. Like, 100%, if you're at home, you're pressing pause, like, every no. hour to pee. Well, like, that's, that's why like, I can't do that. I have to go see it and be captivated. And you not can't sit for three and a half hours. Yes, I can. For Marty, absolutely. No, like, you can, but, like, not everybody <laughs> in society. I. That's, oh like, very hard. I'm so excited. Oh, my God, I can't The believe- main demographic of this movie will not be able to sit for three and a half hours. Wait, I can't believe we got three and a half hours of The Irishman and... Almost three hours of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in one year. Like, what a blessed time we're in. Year of the Lord 2019. I hope they eat each other alive and Harriet wins it all. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? No, I don't know. I'm just talking Oscar No, they're not going to Jordan. They're going to eat each other alive and it's going to be so great. I hope it happens. I feel like I should pray or something. (laughs) I'm so so happy right now. It's going to be so good. Imagine Parasite wins Best Picture because those two, like, eat each other alive. That would be fine with me. Tarantino and Scorsese have enough accolades. I mean, they, don't, they don't need to win anything. I wish that they would both win for these movies. I mean, I haven't seen Irishman yet. But I'm, I'm just so curious. Like, how is it going to compare to the other ones? And I'm so excited to see Nero in a role like this because, like, I love him. But, you know, he's not exactly making the same kind of moves that he always was. You know what I mean? So... And Joe Pesci's back. Joe Pesci lives in South Jersey. My cousin sees him at the grocery store all the time. Like, he did not want to be in Hollywood at all making movies. He was like, I'm at the Acme. I need to get my eggs. And I'm going home. And, like, now, now you know, Marty pulled him back in. And, the, you know, with Pacino there, too. It's just, like, the three of them. I can't even, like, it's going to be so... I just want to, like, I just want to go into a hole until it comes out. Meditate. Pray eat nothing, like, fast, and then go see it. Wow. Yeah. Happy Yom Kippur, everyone. (laughs) Uh, With that, I guess we'll take a short break, and then maybe we'll get to talking about the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Netflix, another... uh, Netflix, another um, sketch uh, comedy show led by a woman. So as long as, like, that keeps happening, I'm okay. Welcome, we're back Wait. to 
the second half of the podcast. I just started it. Oh we my didn't god! Get any of that other stuff? No, we Wait. had a very deep conversation off podcast. I literally just hit it. <laughs> you guys talk because I, I have to pee. I'll be right back. Yeah, so we have Rena Ezra here. Hello. Uh, uh, tell the movie, cinema, film community a little about yourself and what you what you do creatively. Hello, movie, cinema, film. My name is Rena Ezra. I just moved to a new place. Um, <laughs> no, I also have a passion for cinema and just currently write and produce and perform in comedy variety shows, sketch, stand-up, um, hopefully other, a bunch of other projects coming up with Jordan and Brendan. Um, I also perform improv. Um, I also worked as an administrative assistant for many years. That's me. <laughs> yeah, she's a member of the Hammerheads. Yes. Rhino Comedy's newest true. Yes. They are amazing. They Our are next Halloween show is going to be spectacular. And also any other project we have coming up for Late Night Hump is going to be spectacular. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited. Yeah, you have a lot of very cool people in your troupe who have come into our artistic orbits. Oh gosh, um, they're also yeah multi talented. Yeah. It's not just like it's not just improv. They have acting backgrounds or they have singing backgrounds. They two people on our team know how to play. Errol and Haley both know how to do piano, and yeah. like Haley's mom also did piano. Like we just have you collaborate with so many people who are so artistic and so willing to support each other and learn. And I've never been connected with with an improv troupe so much. I love it. Yeah, you guys should definitely check them out. When's your next show? October 19. Yeah. We're at 8 p.m. and at 9.30, you're the Rhinos. Yeah. Actually, it's a double build. Double build. Double build. <laughs> and then catch her in Circuit Break. Oh, yay. Put that on of your course. calendars. Yeah, November 9th, Circuit Break, 8 p.m., we have very we have fun, a lot of special sketch. guests. We do not have as many comics on the immediate bill. We have special guest comics oh, coming fun, in yes. who are going to be a lot of fun. But we purposely did not book a lot of comics because we have a lot of written stuff for you guys. We yes. got to have a lot of sketch. And video, yeah. A lot of video. And then the same night at 9, the Hammerheads also perform. Whoa. It's going to be a busy night. That's gonna Busy be. night for Rena. Yeah. Well, for everyone. Wait, Hammerheads perform after Circuit Break? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> no, that, you're gonna, okay. <laughs> Leah's like, you're not gonna make it. Just like, as a performer, die. I'm just like, oh my god, because you're also writing, <laughs> producing, so. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, And she's here, here for our Joker talk, which yes, is probably the most. Yes, thank you for including me, because I am very excited. I also love the podcast. Thank you. I think we have the just most the uh, female heavy, heavy conversation about the Joker. <laughs> well, like I did the podcast listen to... Universe. I <laughs> also want to do opposing sides, so this ought to be interesting. The Next Best Picture podcast had a few women on, so that was good. Oh, cool. Who I like that? that one. Uh, Matt Neglia, I think his name is. He's the leader of it, but he... He's like the on every episode, and then he has different correspondence. I think they all Skype in, depending on what the movie is, and he always makes sure to have women's perspective on, which I really appreciate... So I think you would like him because I think he's like kind of like you, Jordan, with some of your, you know, you want to like champion women and like make sure that like women's voices are heard and stuff. And he always mentions things like that. So 
We appreciate it. I just want it. the best voices to be heard, which are a, a little bit of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. They can't all be the same voices, because yeah. those cannot possibly all be the best if they're the same. Okay, so, Rena, why don't you just give us a rundown, like an overview, spoiler-free, of how you felt about Joker. No spoilers, okay. Um, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, I fell in love with Joaquin Phoenix's performance more than the film as a whole, which really took it away from me. I think if anybody else starred in it, I would not have liked it as much. Even Heath Ledger? <laughs> you gonna do that? No, well, so here's the thing why it was like so appealing. It's because you've seen Heath Ledger's version, and now you've seen Joaquin Phoenix's version, and then I think more of it was like the human condition and yes somebody's suffering from a mental illness and it was a lot more with their psychosis than it was in the dark night you know with Heath Ledger it was they were two very different takes um and also just like just from an acting point of view everything he did with his voice and his body Joaquin Phoenix it was, it was just like I mean, it just, it made the character come to life and it made it actually less like a character and more like, you know, a human being before, you know, that, you know, when you see him transition, but, um, yeah, that's my short tidbit. So, but you mostly <laughs> just talked about Joaquin in that. I, I know, cause he's amazing. <laughs> I want to hear what you think about the mood, like the subject matter, the, the writing. Well, it's so hard, but not like revealing stuff, but I will try. Um, uh, I, like... <laughs> cause what you just said, I agree wholeheartedly except for the fact that you said the whole movie is phenomenal like everything you said the, about Joaquin I is thought true. the pacing was really I thought the writing was well done I like how they showed a lot of things visually his score right this is top four is great this is top like um yeah his his the music score was fantastic and um I think where they set it the time period and then just taking just taking you throughout like the entire journey uh, I just thought was I thought it was compelling. Um, gosh, what it! I I think it was more I was more into the movie because it was not like it did have many connections to the original comics with Joker and his um, some insight because jo I mean Joker's background is a mystery. You don't know his original story, which I love, which I think is so. Um, again like so appealing but when he like when when they take you basically through the life of Arthur it was just like oh wow you're you know like I, I don't know I think people like were watching the film with like you know Arthur having like somebody having mental illness and then trying to do like a stand-up comedy career I think the trailer was misleading or I think people watched it anticipating something else and instead it was um I think like more of his like his growth into this different creature if that yeah. is that helpful at all <laughs> yeah does that uh, describe the film at all yeah Jordan why don't you counter that counter well it. like I I just like my biggest thing about the film was I think it was ruined by what I was pitched that the film was and, like, what I thought the film was going to be, like, yeah. going into it. And then also I saw it at fucking 10 o'clock, which you means I saw it at 10.30. Fell asleep. So I was, like, falling asleep at times during it. 
But, like, it was just, like, for me, it was, like, very hard to watch because I was just, like, I already know where this is going. Like, I just don't want to be here. And I think that might be a result of, like, me seeing it so late at night. But, like, it was, I think, it was like, predictable. I yeah, agree with that. I think it is, like, oh, yes, it is a very clever film. And, like, I like the fact that, like, it has so many hom- homages to, like, mm-hmm. past films. And it's, like, oh, you guys want to make a remake? How about all these films? Like... And, like, that's clever and stuff, but, like, it did feel very much like it was just, like, trying to be too clever. And, like, I did not like Joaquin Phoenix's laugh, and I don't know if it just did not have the right effect on me, but, like, it took me out of it every time he did his laugh, because I was like, this is so mechanical, like, it doesn't feel like it is a, like, person or a being, it feels like it is just Joaquin Phoenix being, like, technically sound, which, like, it's cool, bro. Like, I see what you're doing with your body, but, like, I don't know. Like, a lot of the things that people are saying were really grounded and really human about it made, like, when I was watching it, it felt very hollow, and it felt, like, comic booky to me. And, like, I guess that is just because they tried to make it in the tone of a comic book movie. Like, the conflict of the movie, like... Yeah, I think, like, the mental health stuff was, like, an interesting point. I just did not like the pacing. I did not like the film as, like, the film was. Like, I liked the pieces, but, like, Mm. I did not enjoy watching it. I was just like, when is this going to end? When is he gonna do whatever he does? Like, I know it's gonna happen. I know it's gonna happen. What is it? Is it Taxi Driver or is it King of Comedy? What is it gonna be? What are we gonna get on this night, (laughs) you know? And, like, that's how I felt sitting in the audience. And also, just, like, I was pissed the whole time because I was like, wow, this sucks (laughs) that, like, this sucks that, like, people are pitching this as, like, the comedian's film and, like, incel culture and stuff like that. And I was just like, god damn it. Like, people are going to think this is what, like, comedy is. And, like, all the comedians I know are like, this is amazing. And I'm just like, great. Like, people are going to think that comics are, like nihilistic people who hate everything and just want to watch the world burn because they just don't care about anything anymore and like we're all mentally insane to the point where we kill people but like a lot of comics I know are mentally ill so like it's tough to watch this and be like yeah see like we really need to talk about people who are mentally ill because they might end up killing people and becoming the Joker and it's like okay, great, now we're going to have a slippery slope to, like, putting everybody in institutions again, which is, like, Mm -hmm. the opposite of what we need to have, which, like, I guess, like, the film is really just, like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? I guess nothing. There's literally nothing anybody can do. We're all just slaves to capitalism. (laughs) Like... (laughs) (laughs) And Todd Phillips making millions and millions of dollars off of the Hangover films. That's a different conversation. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, if this was made by somebody who was, like, outside of, like, making tons of money in Hollywood, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is a really great artsy film, but it was, like, made by a guy who's just profited so much, and we're just letting him profit so much more off of, like, pushing out other voices that could have been leading the way in comedy and leading the way in other things. And he's like, oh, stop with the political correctness just so that he can say paging Dr. Faggot. Okay. Thank you, Jordan. I Yeah, your turn. This um this this movie for me, I I love Joaquin Phoenix, always have. I remember the first time literally I saw him in a movie, I was like, who is this guy? He's beyond. And I still feel that way. 
But uh, for me, the reason to see it is his performance. And that's really the reason to see it. I don't think that the movie had very many, if any, original ideas. I wanted there to be some stance or something that was very strong that they were doing besides stuff that has been treaded over a thousand times. Yes, like we, this is how society treats disenfranchised people. This is not okay. This is what can happen when society treats people the way that they do. And that's, that is, that is a message, but I felt like it's just been done so many times and there was no, I kept waiting for that curve or that new perspective on it, or that thing, right? Jordan's shaking his head furiously. <laughs> or that thing that was gonna make me, that was gonna, that was that thing that just reached a little bit further in and grabbed you. And I was never in that at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like I, we're fans of the movies that he copied way too much to watch this movie because it course. just feels like worse versions of and, all of those films. And I'm actually a little surprised that De Niro would even take part in this movie being that he's... <laughs> no, seriously, because they they literally... If you're going to just watch two Scorsese pictures that are brilliant, which, by the way, are two of my... If I had a top three favorite Scorsese, one would be After Hours, one would be King of Comedy, one would be Taxi Driver, probably. I mean, that changes all times. I love him so much, but... That they're definitely up there. If you're just gonna watch those two movies and then and then mostly do all of that and not really say anything new whatsoever or have any kind of interesting curve to anything, why are you doing that? And why would Nero want to be in that? He already did it five billion times better. I mean, come on, money. Also, it's the meta aspect. <laughs> I guess the Also, he was on board. He what? Well, so he was originally. Maybe that's. <laughs> Right? Maybe that's why he said, I don't know. Well, it was definitely some overlap. As far as, like, the business standpoint in the film, and it's just like, hey, look, Robert De Niro's in theaters. Hey, let's get you start thinking about him. Hey, look, he's going to come out in the Irishman. Hey, look, it's, like, oh, yeah. it's, it's planned. It's he's scripted. having a moment. Yeah, but I, uh, there were things I liked about the movie. Uh, I'm not going to reveal them because most of them are spoilery things. I love the scene between him and De Niro at the end. Uh, this is this is in the trailer, so I could say this. I love that they put the Joker on television. I think that was a brilliant move. I love that. The fact that the whole thing though was yeah. literally copying King of Comedy, like I mean, the obsession with someone on TV and mm-hmm. having this career. I mean, mm-hmm. King of Comedy is just so good, and this movie doesn't even, in my opinion, approach that greatness whatsoever. But I uh, I still enjoy the film. I love Frances Conroy. I'm a huge Six Feet Under fan, so I love anytime she pops up. She really. She's someone who I feel like did a lot with what she was given. Yes. And I love that actress. Yes. Yeah. I hate to compare yes. also, like, but for me, when it comes to Joker performances, this, it's so funny because, like, this performance is phenomenal. I will not alter, uh, waver from that. But when I say that I was waiting for them to reach further, that's what Heath Ledger did to me. Like, Heath Ledger reached past, like, say there was a barrier of what you could do. He reached so far past that barrier. And I feel mm. like Joaquin operated phenomenally within that barrier. And that's all he did. And he did not go further. He did not go as far as I needed. He protected himself. Well, I well I think it's because the film stops before you can see it go th- further. Like, for a reason. Like, you see a chunk of it with, like, just how he operates um, in the human form is what I call it as Arthur. 
you like he'll do like whatever the transition you know like the joker comes into the picture and like that's where like Brenda and I were talking about this where like we were yearning for more we wanted to see him wreak more havoc um but we sort of appreciated that they stopped it at a certain point because the majority of the thing was and also that's why I think Jordan you were like misled because you're just talking about this is like you know comedians point of view and like people who suffer with mental illness or whatever I thought it was especially because it was set in the 80s and the things that happen in the beginning of the movie where, you know, like, it's not a great time in the city and people are, like, stepping on each other. Just, like, what happens to him, I thought was very real. And I think, like, his... Just, like, the way he thinks or that people who actually suffer with this or have to live with it or go with it, I think he wasn't doing a caricature. I don't think he was doing an overly, like... I don't know, like, it, like an over-the-top performance. I think he was sticking to the minimum which is like all he needed to do. And I think also just, it's ridiculous. I don't know, I think, uh, like you're saying about his laugh, and I think it's ridiculous. You know how hard it is to train your body to do a laugh while have your face shaped in a frown and cry at the same time? Like he had to do a bunch of, yeah. I mean a bunch of tests that they probably had to do for like the two different styles of laughter and everything. But besides just like his performance, I think just every shot that the film, every frame with using his body and then Todd Phillips used, of course, like with the music score, but just like where they set the camera and just like how the picture in the frame could be so simple, but have such great magnitude. Mm -hmm. I think how they filmed it, like the cinematography was like, yeah, I think that was like this is one of the films where yeah sometimes simple is more and like they leave it wanting you like for wanting them to like go beyond and to go like oh my god what's the next part oh my god what is he gonna do now blah 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 like but they stop it short yeah for a reason at least the you know the ending of the film there's definitely like a point where i thought they were gonna end it and i'm glad they continued because that would have just made me mad because i didn't feel like oh that's it but I, yeah, I think that part of it is, like, that part of my opinion is, like, I, I should watch it again at some point, because when it comes out, because I feel like I was affected by, like, the outrage and the, the worry over this is going to encourage lonely white men to kill people, and people were afraid of the opening weekend because of what did happen with Dark Knight, what happened with when Trainwreck came out, and other, I can't, I'm sure there's been more theater shootings, I'm not remembering, but uh, unfortunately, there's so many I can't even like remember. It should be like a one-time thing, but um, or a no-time or a no-time thing. <laughs> but, but if it happens once, it should never happen again. But uh, and I was expecting, I mean, I was expecting like some violence that would rip out my heart and mind. Like I, I thought he was gonna walk into a mall and just start shooting. Wait, or should we, should we go to spoilers? Um. I mean, I guess that's kind of a spoiler that he doesn't commit a mass shooting. Is that a spoiler? No, I think he can hold up on spoilers. I don't think that's a spoiler. Also, I think it was different because we saw it in Dolby Cinema. And they're just in the theater. Like, any time, like, a gunshot happened. Yeah, I was, saw it in Dolby, ear, too. It was ear-piercing. I think, like, that really uh, boosted the experience watching it. Like, Brent and I were talking about that, too, where it was just, like... If we didn't watch it in that setting, maybe it wouldn't have been so powerful and, like, affected us so much, but just, like... But I don't know, did you read the articles that were coming out? Because they were, like, you would have thought that... You would have thought that they recreated, like, Sandy Hook or something by what people were saying. Like, I, that it was going to be so troubling to everybody. 
And the you, articles about before they the said film it was came out. Be taxi I mean, driver. no, the thing is, it no. Is. So that's the thing. I purposely did not read any news article about it. Mm-hmm. Didn't I think I didn't even see the full trailer. Like I wanted the film to speak for itself and just yeah. let it be. I totally I didn't want that. any other yeah. opinions influencing me because, like, as you like coming in with having a certain perspective yeah. and then being disappointed. I did not want to be disappointed, mm-hmm. so I purposely avoided all of that and yeah. didn't read, watch anything, so that. I could just enjoy the picture. Like, like I, I'll give Todd Phillips the benefit of the doubt. Like, I'll listen to an interview. I'll see, like, what's up. Like, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to give him, like, too much credit. Like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like a lot of stuff became, like, I don't know. Joaquin Phoenix gave a lot to the performance, and I think also people are just, like, uh, I think a lot of the stuff that Joaquin Phoenix did didn't necessarily serve the film. Hmm. But like they were like just interesting things. Like I think a lot of Heath Ledger's decisions were like they made the film. Yeah, like when people say that like that's Joaquin's best performance, I'm like, have you not watched um, The Master? Because yeah, or have you I not watched uh, you know all these other movies? I mean, I'm like, uh, it was yeah. He's like, duh, he's amazing. But like, I I could have had more there. There was more there. I think that he didn't do. You know. Uh, but my point of what I was saying is that like. This is just typical Joker behavior, this movie. This is nothing new. This is nothing oh, that you yeah. see and you're like, oh my god, he did that? What? It's like, no, this is what the Joker does. Whether it's being, whether it's Jack Nicholson, who had that like more confident, uh, whimsical Joker, mm-hmm. or whether yeah. it's it's Heath Ledger who just oozed this mania that was so like captivating and like addicting to see. Uh it's like, like, I love that quote from The Dark Knight, obviously the famous iconic quote, like, I, you know, I'm like a dog, you know, chasing cars, like, I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. Mm-hmm. Like, to have lines like that, and then to have the performance match that so perfectly, like, I just feel like there was something missing from this one that I didn't get, and I, and I thought, like, for people to be so outraged over this, I'm like, but this mm-hmm. is a character that's been done so many times and he's doing the same shit that he always did. This is the Joker. Like, they could have gone further. It could have been worse. It could have been more violent. Yeah. And I still would have been like, yeah, it's the Joker. Like, yeah, we all the outrage I don't, the outrage I definitely don't understand. Um, but I think why I was just, like, happier with this film is because it wasn't, he like, they weren't trying to copy they were trying to do their own, or Joaquin Phoenix was trying to do his own. So I think, like, the difference between the Jack Nicholson character being whimsical, you have Heath Ledger doing his own, they were, the bulk of the film was them as Joker. Remember, this, the bulk of it, exactly, the bulk of it was him as Arthur. Yeah, you see him transform, and you see just a piece of the Joker. If you really look at it, it's toward the latter of the film. The, the thing that was mesmerizing is just like, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix being in human form. I think it's very different. Like, it's very different from Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson's version because they were Joker for the majority of it. For, or for all of it, they came in and exited as, you know, they were whatever, yeah. whereas Joker. But Joaquin Phoenix was, like, strictly, this is um, him as Arthur. This is him as a person. I'm glad that it was Joaquin Phoenix who we got to see as, like, the, oh, what's a superhero's, like, backstory in a really art house way. Like, I am glad that we got him and not somebody else who would have done a worse job and made the film well, even that's less why enjoyable. I'm interested, just to go off on a little tangent, but interested to see Robert Pattinson as Batman. 
Oh, I can't wait. Because, oh, and then I they're like, wait. at first they're like, oh, it didn't make it in his schedule and he's not going to oh. pass it. It was like, oh, and then they're like, nope, they made it work and he's going to, so then Brenda and I were also talking about that where they're thinking of, which I have no idea why for casting, but they're making the villain, I maybe possibly for the Batman film, the Riddler, focusing on the, the Riddler. Or the Penguin. Oh, that I did not know they were going to be, who's going to challenge Danny DeVito? <laughs> Jonah Hill. <laughs> Well, I heard Jonah Hill as the Riddler, well, I which think, Jonah I Hill will make more of a sense know, as the thing, but... Pe- it's a rumor, like, people don't know if he's going to play Riddler or... Yeah, well, I'm anyway. hoping he doesn't play the Riddler, because I just know the Riddler played as years ago with Jim Carrey, but I was talking to Brendan, and I was like, why Jonah Hill as the Riddler? Why? And then I gave Brendan my suggestion, which would been would be Paul Dano. So I was just like, Ooh. if him is the Riddler, that'd be something spicy. I saw him on Broadway earlier this year, and he was phenomenal. He's surprising. He still surprises me in anything he's in, because he can Too play much. so many levels. Even I think the first film I saw him in was, um, oh gosh, with, with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. <laughs> drink it off. There will be blood. There will yeah. be blood. Yeah, where I was just like, why is going... And obviously very like heavily dominated by Daniel oh. Day-Lewis, but... Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, and we're yes. back. We're in the synchronicity. Yeah. Hard eight is on the but, TV. <laughs> anyway, I'll just stop there. But it was like definitely that's it, you know. But I wouldn't don't don't make those assumptions because I know that before, like I before Dark Knight came out, people were like, I really don't see Heath Ledger as the Joker. Jack Nicholson is the Joker. Because all I saw Heath Ledger, do? yeah, was in rom coms. So you gotta sort of, give it a so chance. I will be that. open. I will. Did you see the documentary I Am Heath Ledger? Yeah. Wasn't that great? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Have you seen it, Jordan? You have to see it. I'll rewatch it with you. A gazillion times. What is it on? I just love people. So it's on one of the streaming. So oh, yeah. You're going to have to search it. I Google just it. To search, yeah. Should we get into spoilers? Yes. Here's spoilers. the spoiler section. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> All right. One of my biggest issues with the film. Go, Jordan. Uh, Lay it out there. I think, like, I don't know if this was the media... Or I don't know if this is a Todd Phillips decision, and I was right on this, but like, I felt like Zazie Beats felt like it was a weird racial thing. That <laughs> she made didn't the need film. to be there. It like was I didn't think it was. It I, was yeah. Not it, but it felt that way. It yeah. felt that way with how the film was pitched. Like it was yeah. like this is an angry white man, and then the fact that like you find out that it was like made up the whole time, I was just like. Mm-hmm. Regarding even This is like really weird and like provocative. Like that's where I was like, oh, this is where the incel stuff will come in and be weird because like I agree that she didn't need to be in there. No. I love her as an actress, but I also don't think it was a race thing. I took it as like she broke his because obviously he's delusional, but she broke his um uh what am I? thinking of his vision or his imagery like he like his dream basically like what he envisioned but she's like, like oh, the only black have... person in the film which i know but no no i but i don't take it as counselor also yeah i don't i didn't take it as color i took it as like he went apeshit crazy because like she broke that you know dream of his or that vision or whatever he was like thinking about she didn't like like you know because she didn't she didn't harm him in any way in the film and like didn't well, I mean, even aside from the racial thing, what was the purpose of that character? Just to show he was crazy? Guess what? He's the Joker, we know. I think it was, yes, strictly put in to show that he was delusional. To just Why? confirm what they <sighs> knew from the lab reports about, like, yeah. after being hit in the head by his... You know what would have been better? His boyfriends and stuff like that, yeah. What if he actually had a girlfriend who was real, who is not Harley Quinn? There's a girl that would date him. 
There is a girl who did him. There's a lonely, insecure... I liked that he was dating her. That, like, made him not be human anymore. And I was just like, oh. This I literally, I don't care about human. this film anymore. Like, why not give him a real girlfriend? Who he maybe... maybe because he's that's even a like, crutch. But maybe he's even, like, abusive to her because he's the Joker. <laughs> like, because he's the Joker, so he's fucked up. Like, he's gonna have these fucked up relationships. Like, what is... What is that character look like in a relationship? Is he codependent? Is he protective of her? Maybe he's super sweet to her and doesn't abuse her but abuses other people. What is that like? What is your psyche like? How do you relate to another human being mm. like that? Mm. That would have been so great. Instead we have this half-assed, this woman's here. I'm sure they just did it because they wanted to have a black character, right? Who was like, right? Because they're like worried about getting, uh, you know, they could be called racist. So they're like, oh, we're, you know. He- or they were trying to do a biracial couple. But maybe, you know, I don't know, like, what was the, I just don't know what the point was. Uh, yeah, no. I like, agree with Also, that, like, I, I guess she was in Deadpool, so it's, like, kind of, like, she's, she's in great. Deadpool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I guess, like, if you're going off of, like, oh, Todd Phillips is such a genius, he brings in, like, this person who's also just thrown into the side of the Deadpool movie just so that she's, like, a token character or Isn't whatever. Isn't she also in Atlanta? That's her in Atlanta? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Um, Atlanta's so dope. I don't know. It depends on how smart you think Todd Phillips is, but, like, it felt very weird that, like, that's where it got, like, very, like, oh, you're trying to make a racial point. Todd Phillips, like, the man who is literally I, made I up white man comedy. You're making it racial by pointing it out. I think it's just another female actress. It's just an actress. Why does her skin matter? He hired her because it's just her and she's good at whatever. Like, uh, you pointing it out, oh, it's because of, it, no, because but it of felt this like it makes was, it racial. But, like, he did a crime against somebody who he had no relationship to. And then the only other black person is, like, the person who's like, yep, you're crazy. Like, I know you're crazy. Because he's psychotic. Yeah, no, I know. Like, I think he was trying to make a racial thing. I don't know, though. I know. I guess it's just left up to the imagination. And then maybe that's just, like, white liberals projecting. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it worked on me. I don't know. Mm. Well, can we talk about... the final scene between him and Gennaro. Yes. Which is my favorite scene. Yes. By far. Uh, it's obviously the culmination of... Because it's funny, because when they revealed that her character was not real, mm-hmm. I thought, is he really going to go on the show? Like, I know they did show part of that in the trailer, but I was like, is that a hallucination? Is that... Yeah. Um, so when he actually went on the show, I was pretty surprised. And I did relate... I mean, maybe not personally relate, but I did kind of feel... I mean, obviously you feel his pain through the whole film. The opening scene when he gets beat up. Like, obviously I don't want to see anyone, like, in that position. It's terrible. But the part that resonated for me was when they show his clip on the show. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of The Comeback. Have you seen that series on HBO? Mm -mm. It's a brilliant, brilliant series on HBO. It had two seasons. One ran in 2005... Then it came back 10 years later in 2015 because oh. it was so beloved, like in a cult oh. way, that people brought it back. It stars and it's produced by Lisa Kudrow. She plays, oh my God, really? She plays an actress who's kind of like past her prime and she's like desperate to, huh. but she masks it. Like she tries to act like, you know, she'll be on set and they'll be like, okay, we need you to stand next to this goat and start singing because <laughs> that's the only part she can get, right? And and that's not a literal thing in the, movie, in the, in the show, but like that's an example. And she'll, you know, she's... Inside, she's horrified because she used to be on this big show, but she'll she's just like, oh, wow, I, I love goats. I always wanted yeah. to be in a scene with a goat. This is great. You know what I mean? And that desperation of someone please notice me and put me on TV and please give me attention. Please, please, please. But but trying to hide it mm-hmm. and, and then doing anything you can. So, you know, he, 
De Niro like humiliates this person, and that's a, such a, a thing in our culture of like, oh yeah, I look I look like an idiot. I look ridiculous. Everyone's laughing at me, but I'm on TV. That's all that matters, right? No matter what. I mean, look at all the reality shows. How people just humiliate themselves, embarrass themselves. I mean, I any press is good press. Any press, I'm completely guilty of it. I love Jersey Shore, like, and I love it. I do, and I, I actually like really like some of the people in it. And I, you know, I mean, God, the things they've done on that show, like, they've just made total fools of themselves. But in some ways, it's fascinating because it's like, oh, they're just people. Like, mm-hmm. they're, you know, I would never want someone to see me like peeing in a bar, like literally at the bar, not in a bathroom. Like, I would never yeah. want someone to see me do that, and I would never do that, but. You know, who knows? Like, life is crazy. I don't know. But, like, that aspect of uh, the way that he feels De Niro and his producers just feel entitled to humiliate this person. Like, you don't know what's going on with anyone. Like, and you just put them on TV and you think, well, who cares? He's a stand-up comic. Any stand-up comic would kill to be on this show. And I'm putting him on the show. So, therefore, I'm doing a great thing. I'm going to pat myself on the back. And, 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 you know, he's just going to be grateful that he's here. And the Joker turning that around and being like, well, this is actually the day you're going to die because you can't treat mm-hmm. people like this. I did like that. So. Well, yeah, because I think it's Robert De Niro, like, resembling people who are in power in the real world who think they can do that because they have mm-hmm. power. And I like how it, would, it resembled a lot with you know, how people think in society right now where they want to say a giant F you to the government. And when they had that scene where Joaquin Phoenix was, like, getting up from the car and he has all the people with the clown masks around him. Mm-hmm. And he, oh my God, I love when he, like, made his smile bigger with the blood in his mouth. And that was just, like, I was like, oh! Mm-hmm. Um, like, <laughs> I watch, enjoy that sound they made. <laughs> watching that, um, and, like, literally, you watch, like, Gotham go crazy and it turn it, you know the turmoil and everything just become dark and gloomy the way you know what's going to happen and i think even though the ending was predictable i thought it was well paid off like you saw it through, like it, it one of one of my favorites just to tie to the comic book and original like joker batman story is when not as joker as arthur but when he meets bruce wayne as a kid and early on and I was just like I love how they cross paths that way or they made it in the film and he was just talking him through talking to him through the gate before he went to the the mansion um he never went to the mansion but talking him through the gate and then doing these magic tricks with him and then in the end coming back where Joker was indirectly responsible for the death of Bruce Wayne's parents because it was one of his followers I guess you would say somebody with a clown mask mm-hmm. saying you know before shooting Bruce Wayne's dad and be like, you get what you deserve and that's how they died too, I thought was stellar. So did you I wish see... it was more about that also. Yeah. Because like, this is the fault of the rich. Yeah. Like, also, <laughs> I love, I love how this movie comes from Joker's perspective because anytime it were, you know, it is Batman, you're seeing from Bruce Wayne's perspective where they hold his dad as a saint and here it's questionable. Did he sleep with the nanny? You know, with like Arthur's mom. Did he have? Uh, you're not really sure. Like, is he adopted? Is he not adopted? Like, did he sleep with them? Did they have a kid? Or like sometimes they write up this evidence, or they make the people who are not in power like make them think they're crazy, so that another thing, none of these things are truth, which is insane because people do that in real life. And I think it's just great that like I don't know. You sort of see it from like the bad guy. I'm putting it in quotes because like. 
is he a bad guy or is it just the environment and other people's influence that made him who he is? Right, and that they did that. Disney did that too with the Maleficent film, which yes. the sequel is coming out soon. Yes. But I loved that. Yeah. Um, but have you seen the Tim Burton Batman films? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> so do you prefer the idea that the Joker killed... Because I thought they were going to show that. Like, when it was a follower of his, and rather than... Because I thought they were just going to show the same thing that they showed in, in the uh, in the, the Michael Keaton. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, you know, that it was just the Joker that yeah, killed Yeah, I prefer parents. it not being the Joker. Well, someone said, someone said, which I thought was interesting, is, is the Joaquin Phoenix Joker even the same character as the Heath Ledger Joker? Or is... The Heath, like, is if is the Heath Ledger Joker that follower that killed the parents, and then is there another like is the uh, is the Joker that we've always known just a copycat of Arthur? You know, like I thought that would have been cool if they made a statement like that if Arthur died at the end of the movie and they were like, oh yeah, he actually just inspired all this. Yeah, that's a, a really interesting point. I think that would be quite clever because again, the comics go all the way back and when they had the original TV show, like this goes. They said it in different times with like the thirties, forties, fifties. You get different. Jokers in different time periods, and I would like to think that there are many versions of Joker. I wouldn't want it to just be one person. I would, you would want like the original, but that inspires other people to do whatever, because they're, you know, the, yeah. The Joker first that, appeared in nineteen forty. I just looked it up. Oh yeah. Um. Yes, I I love the idea of having just many different uh, versions of Joker. Mm-hmm. Because they also are. Because, like, also when you just see it from a film standpoint and you have an actor do his version of the Joker, of course it's going to be different. You don't want it to be redundant. You don't want to repeat. You don't want the same thing. Mm-hmm. And this may that. just be me being indulgent because I played Harley Quinn and I love her, but... Uh, oh, that's also coming out. I know, but at the end, of, it's not. It's not the same universe. I mean, it's it's, this, it's DC, it but not. it's not the same universe because obviously Jared Leto is yes. that Joker. Yes. But um, but I just for my own like uh, like I just love Harley, so I wanted to see at the end when when he's being interviewed by that other doctor from the end that last scene or like the second to last scene of the movie. Uh, they only showed him, like they didn't show oh, her, yes, and I yeah. wanted it to pan around, and I wanted it to be like a. I knew it wasn't gonna be Margot Robbie because it's not that world, but yeah. I wanted it to be like a blonde with like a, a name yeah. tag that yeah. said like Harleen that would have Quinzel been or something. Cool. That would have been so that cool because cool. I wanted it, but then that doesn't that doesn't really go along with the theory then that he just inspired someone else to be the Joker. Yeah. But I wanted that anyway. I, I just love Harley. well two things on what you said. One, I love Margot Robbie. I think she kills it in many roles. And, like, for her to have her own lead role as Harley Quinn and for it to solely revolve around her, I think is going to be way better. Way I wasn't even a huge fan of Suicide Squad, but it's going to no, be... No, I don't think anyone was Yeah, on, well, on <laughs> it should have just not been <laughs> duh. Um, and it was just, like, Will Smith loving himself and being egotistical because, again, know. he's acting in a movie that, with... I don't he's, he's in a movie. He's acting with himself. So sorry, yeah, himself, <laughs> a younger version because he's, he's just, whatever. Um, but on that, and also I loved how he ran out of that room and there was, like, bloody red footprints all over the hallway. Yeah, because so he killed her, he killed, right? Yeah, but I love how they don't... Sometimes I love how they don't show the actual murder and the death and you just see the aftermath or I the love, little yeah. traces. Yeah. That I just also love. Just saying, that was a really good decision on their part. Jordan, thanks for letting us gab so much. What yeah, do you? Thanks, uh, what do you think? Give us another spoiler take. 
No, I think we've covered everything. I think. Well, like, no, I feel we like we not. barely <laughs> talked about that scene at the end, the, the scene between him and De Niro. Like, oh, like, I just, like, hurry it the fuck up. <laughs> okay. It just took so long. Like, you I knew, not, you I like knew something was going to happen. Like, it was just, like, I've seen so many things that have, like, played off of this. Like, he's not even the first person to play off of so many of these tropes. I know. That's so, what, like, yeah, that that's was, what like, I mean. That's what I said, like, yeah. I, like... He's trying to be like, oh, I'm the guy who's outside of it all. But, like, we're all, like, Mm -hmm. it's not. Like, that's the thing that pisses me off about it. It's not, like, the actual film. It's, like, the stuff that was, like, said by the media that made me think it was going to be the incel film that was making it out to be, like, the James Holmes, like, school shooter film or whatever you wanted it to be. And that, it's also the comedian's film. And it's also just, like, Bernie bro. Like, it just felt like it was, like, going down that, like, same wormhole of, like, oh, wow, like, this is, like, the statement about white men in society now. Mm-hmm. Which, like, it's more about mental illness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, now it's just gonna be, like, oh, all white men are just mentally ill. Which, like, yes, some are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, uh, I... Have you guys seen Christine with Rebecca Hall? No. So it's about this real life story about this woman who killed herself. She's a newscaster. She killed herself, shot herself. Also, oh, network was on the air. Like, fake thing. Was this before or after network? The Christine, Christine was just came out. It happened. It actually yeah. happened in the seventies, so it was before network came out. So network was probably based off of her. I don't know, but bit. this movie Christine is literally like it's like a, not a biopic, but it's so similar. Again, this is like like I said, this is a retread. The it's been done so many times, but yeah, I I like the idea of this like sensationalist thing of someone dying on live TV. Mm-hmm. I think is like so fascinating, mm-hmm. and like how does the world deal with that? And like they the whole Christine thing, they kind of buried. Like you can't find the footage. Wow. Um, but and it was also a woman, so that's like a whole other that ties into a whole other road we could go down. But uh, I thought that was powerful. Like, I thought the way that, like, like I didn't feel like it was hurry the fuck up. Like, that was one of the only scenes that I was, like, very No, 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 I mean into. leading up to it. Like, I did not want to watch the scene by the time it happened. Oh. Because I was like, <laughs> like, I, I was like, this should have happened 30 gotcha. minutes ago. Like, I was so ready for the scene 30 minutes ago. Yeah. When, like, I already knew it was a psychopath. I already knew that. Uh, Zazie Beats wasn't real and that he killed her like let's just get on with it <laughs> I mean it's true you like you were saying something where a lot of concepts and motifs were just beaten into our head which I agree things were definitely repetitive and he he just you know could have went it over it once and then moved along mm-hmm. but in, in that's why I think her. like that added to the length but I think like of course like him killing a person on live TV like that's jarring Mm-hmm. And, and also, who are is. the craziest people in society now? It's like people who watch TV nonstop. That's like mush TV, mm-hmm. like who just like rot their brains by watching like mush Fox TV. News for twelve hours a day, yeah. and like are yelling at the TV or even MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Like it goes both sides. Like people are making themselves insane based off of this like corporate news that they're watching every day, mm-hmm. and like there is the aspect to oh wow TV made this. Like, literally, Robert De Niro is, like, sparring with the president right now, and we're, like, watching it, acting as if that's going to make a change in our society. I love him, by the way. I loved that interview so much. Like, I like him, but, like, also, 
it's all like theater. Like nothing's changing by like Robert De Niro being like fuck you. Like I'm glad that Robert De Niro is saying fuck you, but like there's a lot of wealthy people who just keep enabling this stuff to happen in society that's bad. <laughs> and like it is like the Bruce Wayne like Bruce Wayne's dad of the whole situation. Like that is the reason why we're all fucked up and that was like very but low that's, on the concerns. That's forever gonna be the culture. Like that's a different conversation what you're saying, yeah. but that's forever the culture and you can't rescript the culture. You can't rescript society. It's been set in stone for years. There's always going to be, there's never going to be, I mean, there's always going to be a time where people are going to make you think there's a power shift when there isn't. There's always going to be this, this status of the elite over the ordinary, everybody else people. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just think, I think like your judgment on that, like shouldn't cloud your perspective on the film, but you do. Also, I'm saying this all thinking. I'm saying this all thinking that people are talking about this into the Oscar races. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that seem like yeah. that's the narrative? Since it won at like big film festivals. Did, did it you, win a big? Did it win? What did it win? I at? don't know. It, it did well at it did well at Toronto. I know, but and it um, made a ton of money. But one thing I wanted to touch on it before we get too far into something else is you mentioned. That you think he killed the Zazie Beats character, right? Yeah. I've heard that, but I also have heard he didn't, because that's mm -hmm. another thing they didn't explicitly show. And I think that it's think possible that he didn't, did. because, uh, because when he when he kills the woman at the hospital at the end, they show the bloody footprints. It's yes. very deliberate, yes. and they didn't like. What makes you so sure that he yes. killed her? You're not sure. I don't know. I was going <laughs> in and out of sleep. You was I to wake him up, Jordan? Yeah, why are you? Like, everything was delusional. Everything like I'm going crazy too in my own life. So like we talked about that we that you know you're not sure that we weren't sure that that happened because I look I was telling you that or like I thought they were gonna show at least like bloody his bloody hands or bloody like a gun or like something there were something left over and there wasn't they showed it with his waist up constantly when they were doing the the shots so you couldn't see anything. Um, so yeah, so you don't have, I think they wanted it left to your imagination. The films don't always want to tell you exactly what it is. They want to just give you a piece and for you to take it where you want to take it. Uh, yeah, yeah this, like, this film was great and like, Thank I just you. like, I just hate that the, that it's going to be the narrative of award season and the narrative is already like the wrong narrative. That's the thing that like upsets me about the film mm -hmm. more than anything. Like, I think as a film, like, if I watched it in a vacuum, I would have been like, this is a fine film. If, like, the other films around it, mm -hmm. like, didn't exist as, like, such great works. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll watch it again and give it another shot. Yeah, I think I'll watch it, like, next year or something after some time has passed. and. Once they put it on streaming, maybe I'll put it on. Yeah. Would you guys recommend it? Rena definitely would. I guess yes. watch it just so that you know what everybody's talking about. At least just watch it for Joaquin. Yeah, I recommend it. I recommend it to watch Joaquin. And I also have been really fascinated by the, even in this room, but, but in general, the difference of opinions. Like, there are so many different opinions across the board with this movie, and I think whether or not you love it, hate it. Where do you get your news? How much money do you make in a year? Are your parents together? Do you have parents anymore? Like, <laughs> it's it's just like, gonna, you're always going to take it there, which I love about I mean, you. It's just like, it's literally, there are so many factors that 
could influence this. Are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Like, do you well, live in the middle of America or the coasts? Like, I feel like everybody will get a different view on this film. Right. Well, what I wanted to say was that it's like, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. I just love that it has, this is like provoking so many different opinions from all sides, all everything. So I like that because I think that that's important to sit and have conversations. This is what art is about is to sit and talk about it and have different opinions and learn and everything. So I love it. Uh, I love that it's existing and I would recommend it just to have an opinion on it and to, you know, was it my favorite movie? No, I wish that I loved it. I really wanted to love it, but I didn't and that's okay. And, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Check out our schedule with the Mutz Hammerheads. Thank, Thank you, you Rita. Thank you. You're welcome, girl. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Peace. <laughs>